Uh, let's talk music. Do you like the Elton John song Rocket Man? I don't like soft ass shit. Oh, you don't. Well, I only bring it up because uh, it's you. You're the Rocket Man. Welcome to Film Fight Club. You know, I would be okay with that being the new theme of the show and our show being renamed The Rocket Men. (laughs) (laughs) I'd totally be down with that, particularly as the new film is coming out, Rocket Man, the Elton John Oh, God, yeah. Maybe we'll have to wait through that, uh, those muddy waters. And when they've passed behind us, we can, you know, assume its identity. As long as it's an Elton John-themed intertrack, I'm, I'm totally down. Yeah, I think that's a tradition that will have to be maintained. Yeah, it's okay. It's okay. I'm Glenn Falkenstein. I'm Chris Evans. And I am still <laughs> <Rose> <laughs> And we are Film Fight Club. That was our themed introduction for this week because we're not doing a traditional episode. We are doing a drum roll cage match. Cage match. Yeah. Um, I was, I was in Melbourne recently and... Uh, some friends of mine were having a discussion amongst themselves and and they're not like huge film people you know they're not like our level of film nerdery they're just like casual film fans and they were just saying you know what's Be better casual. face off conair or the rock and i thought ah oh, that's funny you guys are talking about that because i was talking about that with chanel recently my girlfriend who's yeah she's been on the show previously so the next day i'm walking down the streets of the melbourne cbd and i just overhear two random strangers saying but which one is better, Conair or Face Off? And I was struck in that moment that this idea is in the atmosphere. It's in the zeitgeist that we need to get back to the days of pure cage as represented in the Holy Trinity, 1996's The Rock and the the twinned movies Face Off and Conair, both from Jerry Bruckheimer Productions and released within two weeks of each other in the summer of 1997. It came as a trilogy, and I love that he did it right after he won the Oscar for Leaving Las Vegas. Like, he reached the pinnacle of film achievement and then thought, and you like, know what, I'm making, these, I'm making these ones now. He's like, I've conquered the good stuff. <laughs> Time for them to see me at my worst. Oh, no, no, no. Worst came. I'm going to be the, the the best at being worst. No, because <laughs> after that, and he actually followed up with even a terrible trilogy. It was City of Angels. Um, oh god, oh, it was so bad. City of Angels, Snake Eyes, and it came a little later. But Snake I Eyes. Snake Eyes is good. Snake Eyes is not good. Snake Eyes is good. It's it's the director's Snake worst Eyes. film. It's it's one of the worst Brian De Palma films for sure. But I would say it's better than. Two out of three of the movies we're going to talk about today. There's only one action sequence in the entire film, and yeah. they replay it. And no, but the best silly. part of but the best part of of uh, Snake Eyes isn't the action; it's the flashbacks within flashbacks, cutting back to Nicolas Cage looking confused and scratching his head, and then more sad flashbacks while Ryuichi Sakamoto music plays. It's an 80 minute movie with oh about God, 30 minutes Ryuji of that. Sakamoto. Yeah, yeah. yeah. And, Snake Eyes. Okay, oh there's, there's one yeah. good shot in that film, and it's the <laughs> overhead shot as they go through the hotel room, which is just the shot from Taxi Driver, and then the film ends, and it's a nonsensical plot. Have you seen Femme Fatale? <laughs> No, dude, we have to do Femme Fatale in a future episode of this show. Wow. Um, Femme Fatale is like Snake Eyes, but better. 
I, I, I believe it. I don't believe that I believe any film could be Snake Eyes, but better. <laughs> he did it just a few years after Snake Eyes, and it should be much more known than it is. Talking about that, though, Brian De Palma is finally getting you know money for his next production. And he's, he's doing a TV show? Yeah. What, what is it? I don't know, but I'm just happy that he's not forgotten. Yeah. Um, he's always been... And I got, he's just got a rated film, Carlito's Way. Look, no one talks about that. Brian De Palma is still good. He just has been having struggling you know, financially, so it's good for good fate to come upon him. He needs to team up with Nicolas Cage again. For a Dude, better film. I would totally be up for that. I'd be down. As long as Nick Cage gave a good performance instead of like an ironic bad performance like he's yeah. been doing I don't lately. think he has any ironic bad performances. I think all his performances are <laughs> sort of magnificent. Even though he makes, he's one of those prolific A-listers out there. He makes four, sometimes four films a year. And they all, a lot of them screen at genre festivals, often one in every two years. It's like a big commercial hit. Um, He did Mom and Dad about last year. Um, Certainly Joe from a few years back was quite popular. Yeah. Yeah, every now and then just comes out with Joe a ghost like, rider or but he something. He does something like Joe, which is like a genuinely quality performance in a quality film, and then he does like some direct to video trash with a like Next. eyebrows written like performance, like he always does. Yeah, knowing. Yeah. <laughs> or Mandy, which is Mandy was great. But Mandy is built around this ironic meme presence that Nicolas Cage But that's has the developed. direct that's the director more than Nick Cage, Nick Cage yeah. himself. Yeah, but, but that's the thing, is now Nick Cage essentially Can Nick Cage yeah. not be self aware exactly. about that now? Is, is that is that a meme thing where Nick Cage is so self aware of being Nick Cage that he can't be anything else? God, I wanna I wanna continue on this Nick Cage discussion, but of course the whole episode's about that there's something that's been bugging me that I need to get off my chest. Yes. Uh-huh. It's the goddamn Star Wars trailer. And oh, yes. We have to talk about Star Wars. It's uh, like big news of the week. The new Star Wars trailer just dropped, and it's the, the title, The Rise of Skywalker, Episode Nine, out this Christmas. You know, I'm usually the type to be like, why are you guys talking about Star Wars? There's a whole interesting world of film out there. I'm the, <laughs> I'm the smart one. and blah. But this week, I, I've just, look, I'm not better than anyone else. I just want to it. rant about a trailer. And I know you should wait until you see the movie before you get angry about a tr- you know things in a trailer because you're not being witness to the full director's vision and yada, yada, yada. But everyone else is, is ranting about this goddamn trailer, so I'm going to eat my cake. Okay, I just, I just like to say... I wish I hadn't seen it because I didn't watch any of the trailers for The Last Jedi. Well and done. I was pleasantly surprised. I only saw the uh, teaser for that. I didn't see the trailer, and the trailer I think gave a lot more away. So I think it, you know you can follow my lead and just not watch the trailer for. I spent a lot of time running out of cinemas. One, yeah. The good thing about it is the trailer is so so bad. It's so bad. It doesn't matter. I was well, shocked. In, in, in I all fairness, it doesn't the, tell us anything. You know, which is you, fine. Which is what a trailer is supposed to do. You know, when you have an opinion completely away from groupthink, like you see something fresh and then you're. Just just shocked at everyone else's reaction to it when you find out that they didn't agree with it. you. Our discussion of it. Oh, basically. it. Yeah yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. But I, I had that with the Last Jedi when I was like, "That was great, right?" And then I was noticing fans being like, "Uh, no," outside, and I was really confused. And I've had it again with this trailer, where when I look around, most people seem to be pretty happy with it. But my re- reaction just immediately was like. This is so bad. The internet hates Star Wars, so they must be giving them so much hell over this. But most people are just like, yeah, Star Wars. Because I, I would be annoyed. If, so I think they bad. do give a couple of things away. I would be annoyed if they gave big plot turns away or they appear to. But it isn't that like that. It's just visual image. It looks like a Western. I'll tell, you, I'll tell you the reasons why I think it's bad. Hot take coming. Hot take coming, right. What was interesting about The Last Je- uh, Jedi was how it tried to cut away all the excess fat and lean down the franchise, you know, cut things that were only in it to maintain consistency with the past. So, to you know, to try to, like, whittle away to the core of this is what Star Wars is, this is what we'll keep, 
stuff like the emperor, uh, extraneous details here, just for the sake of legacy. You know, the whole let the past die thing. So instead, in The Last Jedi, um, it, you know, let, let's kill off Snoke so that we don't just rehash the emperor, you know, being the manipulator behind Luke thing again in, in the Return of the Jedi equivalent. Um, I thought that was going in a brave direction of trying to redefine what things are, what it was, and get away from fan service. And then suddenly, this movie seems to be going in the complete 180 direction, you know, to, like as if JJ is saying, so I, I can't get to redo the, you know, tributes to the Emperor stuff in Return of the Jedi since you've killed off my Emperor figure. So I'm just going to bring back the old Ian McDormand Emperor. Like, we do not need that guy to come back. That, that I know we, we you don't know. see we, the we, movie. We, can't, we don't know what's going to happen. I know that you should see the movie and give it a chance, but I can't see any good way to use that that, it, you know, that's there for a reason beyond just pointless fan service. But also... Uh disregarding the plot problems that it might have or what it's suggesting, it's just unexciting as a trailer. Yeah, I agree. It doesn't really give you anything. It's, you know, it's the last installment of the Star Like, it's, yeah, it's a culmination that's right. of an event. What it I doesn't th- feel like it. What it tells me is, like, this is a movie that's going to culminate in a bunch of people fighting each other and talking in a desert. And I thought, oh, okay. So the good, <laughs> good the bad, and the ugly. Yeah, it seems that way. But, God, with the Emperor... We, we, uh, <laughs> my, my feelings of this is I, I remember oh, the, the reports that J.J. Abrams had the whole trilogy mapped out and that Ryan Johnson then came in and said, no, no, we're doing it this way. Yeah. And that J.J. Uh, Abrams, better or worse, to some extent, has decided to continue on the path but of what his original conception was, it seems which could like, be problematic. It seems like he is continuing to do, like that he had planned to do something with Snoke and suddenly instead of take, it's like an improv game. You have to say yes. I think Ryan Johnson's dealt him the card of like, the core of this is actually the way more interesting than Luke and Darth Vader's dynamic ever was relationship between Rey and Kylo. So let's cut away the Emperor. Let, let's just focus in on that. And then J.J. Abrams seems to have gone, nope, actually, I wanted to have the Emperor in it. So you've killed off Snoke. All right, Palpatine. As a piece oh, of editing, it's unexciting. I still am going to hold out for what the film is in and of itself. But more but significantly, even, what's the, what people got goads up isn't, the trailer itself it's the title oh, well, hang on there's one last thing about the the trailer i have to say before i get to the goddamn title <laughs> the bit at the beginning where she does this backwards flip over the approaching i assume kylo or Emper- imperial someone with dark gloves who likes wearing all black yeah yeah yeah, yeah. um <laughs> that is so it's bad i just felt the the like lack of rian johnson kind of um you know, gravitas in the shots. Like in the bit where Rey is posing when she's about to do a Jedi force backwards jump lightsaber thing. It's just, it's just seems so staged. Like it has that glossy fake hand that J.J. Abrams bought. I like yeah. that Rian Johnson tried to gritty it up a little bit. Um, I, I don't know. I'm just, was, I'm just a bitter Last Jedi fan. I was expecting. <laughs> That's what it comes down you to. Know, Adam Driver shirtless and just you know playing with his pecs a little bit. Luke, there, there will be some of that. I'm, I'm disappointed sure. Disappointed that wasn't there. Uh, you know, so. I, I'm sure they'll the save it for the main title. movie, just like they did it in the second the movie. There's nothing. No, no. Of the title Skywalker. is the best thing about it because it's a discussion oh, point. We don't know what it's going to be. They could flip it on its head. No, no, no. We don't know. Okay, they might, but whatever they call it, you know, however it justifies itself in the story. 
it's not going to take away from the title being disgraceful in how obviously it's been designed to appeal to market groups. It's like, okay, you people who who felt jilted by The Last Jedi, feeling it desecrated the name of Skywalker, we're reassuring you in the title that Skywalker will rise, okay? So you, your needs are being catered to. Not only that, it's also a rise of the title in 2019. Star Wars is meant to be above that. Rise of the is such a generic, like, rise of the planet of the apes. R- rise Dark Knight of the Jedi, rises, rise, rise of, of the blah, 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 yeah. blah, you know. Like it, so, it's following a, this dumb title meme, um, which Star Wars, to be fair, popularized back in the eighties, yeah, seventies. Even even the idea of this movie being called the Rise of Skywalker, when the point of the Last Jedi was maybe Skywalker's don't shouldn't be the point of everything. You know, the movie ended with a scene t- thinking about like people unrelated to the Skywalkers can be Jedi Knights, and then whoop, Rise of Skywalker. Chris has touched upon yeah a sore point, which I feel is going to be my biggest kind of sore thumb in this entire thing is that this movie might undo everything that Last Jedi actually It's like Trump following Obama <laughs> <laughs> Oh that's the there harshest take I've seen on the internet but, but the, the Oh like, dear, okay the thing is like, you know, But just like the, the The Last Jedi went in some really interesting places yeah. which this movie seemed to that's now right. undo And to take the analogy further, just like Obamacare was opposed by some of the people it helped <laughs> Rian Johnson's take, which could have helped liberate some of the hardcore fans from their over-nostalgia-tinted view of the world. (laughs) They rejected it to go back into the corporate arms of Disney and the rise of his Skywalker, etc., etc. Because how many people know that the Obamacare and the Affordable Care Act are the one and the same thing? Exactly. Exactly. And that is why how many people know that The Last Jedi and The Rise of the Skywalker are two very different products in the end. So, true story. Um, When Obamacare passed, I was two blocks from Capitol Hill. I remember hearing the cheers, and I was actually hanging out with a bunch of college Republicans who were just pure angry and furious. So you guys are the Republicans right now. No, you're, you're the guys cheering on the hill, but yeah. I'm gonna, everyone is going to be watching it. It's going to be the college Republicans just sitting there, just furious. But, Look, I don't entirely agree with the analogy. Let's let's see what happens. It, they could just. I think they could throw it on its head. I think they're smart enough. J.J. Abrams knows that he wants to upend fan expectations, and I think to some extent he will upend both ends of the spectrum. He's not a schmuck. But the thing is, like, <laughs> why do fans matter? What a fan! Exactly. We are fans. annoying people anyway. I know we fans. are, but fans fans need to be disciplined. Yeah, and, <laughs> I love well, that. Fans I love need a, to be no. I, they, I love they they need a creative work that's, that's, that entertains the, you, but is willing to give you the bitter pill that a lot of these corporate yeah. products won't. Like, you know. Fan service is the worst form of nostalgia. <laughs> it is the worst. Like it's so good when a thing from were... the past ends on an ambiguous, yeah. ambiguous dark note. Like if Star Wars wasn't like an endless cycle of happy endings. How great would it be if it wasn't actually the Emperor and it was just the thing they threw in there? And that would really do. Like that he's would... a flashback or a dream sequence. Yeah, that could happen. But uh, um, but still, like you know, you don't need that, and you don't need to appease fans. That's the point of this all. Fans are annoying people. They just cling on Hi, to any right, sense. I'm, I'm sitting hey guys, right here, but right, you guys I'm need to right watch, here. The, you guys need to watch through Twin Peaks season three and then have a talk about this because that that is the most like take that fans show ever. I mean, we know what happened to Sherlock because of fan service. Just, just yeah, just it was, don't, yeah. They gave don't. into the fa- the impulse to please fans, and it destroyed the show from within. Yeah, I mean, uh, don't do it. With but at the same time, it's so hard to make good art. I've been watching well. Next Generation lately, uh, we, and fan 
input can help drive a show. And if fan input had been more present at the beginning of Star Trek Next Generation, Wesley Crusher would have been gone to season one instead of season three. So it can help. There's it's, a, it's there's many ends to the spectrum. I think fan input and fan ownership are two very different things. And yeah. That is the line which you have to be wary about. Star Wars as a commodity and as a product. Yeah, if Star Wars were more so... personal, it would sort of transcend yeah. fans. Like, it doesn't matter what fans think. Exactly. This is what but Lucas wants. But now it's now it's run by, by Disney. Of, we're saying this all the two-minute trailer with no dialogue. I know. But <laughs> there's a trend you can sense from all the releases that have come so far, though. Like, there's things in, in common of these, these Disney Star Wars movies. Yeah, and part of the problem is... And like, it's devotion to a brand. Star Wars is now, as a brand and as a kind of commodity itself, has become so ingrained with how fans think about it that it yeah. can't really do anything different and even if it tries with like The Last the, Jedi the, people somehow hate it not a, the prequels not everyone had hated a, The Last Jedi The Last Jedi was most, really popular mo- most a lot of people did, did. A lot, people, no, I don't prequels, think most people absolutely not it was a popular film it was a liked film are looking and it was a good film these days. Like, they're terrible films. the first one is looking better the, the first the, one has always the been prequels decent. are generally terrible films because of their writing but at least you can admire today how they don't seem such like corporate exercises you can still feel the independence of the product in weird choices is like it's going to be a political movie about trade embargoes like for better or worse and i know here it's almost entirely for worse he did he just made what he wanted he, he wasn't making it for fans he and wasn't it worked making it- one out of three times in 1999 it didn't work 2002 it didn't work in 2005 well look i'm really happy that three main big franchises are coming to an end <coughs> avengers with endgame thank god now, and it's Star only Wars. for a few years. It's, not, it's not for a long I know, time. I know, for a couple I know, years. And, like, you know, and that, it, that Disney one... just announced all these new TV series with um, yeah. with uh, what's it called? Max? Was it Maximoff? I, I yeah. know. It's the beginning. Yeah. Of, end of something is the beginning of something else. I know that bloody bloody blah bloody bloody blah. Yeah. You know, but Avengers that's coming to an end in one in its conception of the originality, and then Game of Thrones and. <gasps> Tomorrow? No, no, actually, no, no. By the time this goes to air, excuse me, we are pre recording this. The first Game of Thrones episode will be out. Yeah. Oh my God. And Star Wars. So I am so glad that finally I don't have to be sick of this shit. So that is our discussion of the two minute trailer that dropped for (laughs) Star Wars The Rise of Skywalker episode nine. Um, (laughs) The one thing Star Wars doesn't have, however, is Nick Cage. And it could use some Nick Cage because he makes everything better. Actually, that's one thing that I think each and every corporate movie can use is more Nick Cage. So before we get into Nick Cage discussion, I remember reading this in an article a couple of years back and I found the quote. It is from Ethan Hawke and it is on Nicolas Cage. And I've always been fascinated by it because while I do watch actors every day of my life, I haven't spent a lot of my life studying acting, but this really spoke out to me. I'm kind of obsessed with Nick Cage. He's the only actor since Marlon Brando that actually has done anything new with the art of acting. He's successfully taken us away from an obsession with naturalism into a kind of presentation style of acting <coughs> that I imagine was popular with the old troubadours. Now, I imagine we'll get into a okay. little more... They're giving Nicolas Cage too much credit. Um, somebody who... Okay, it's no surprise that Werner Herzog worked with Nicolas Cage on The Bad Lieutenant, which is a movie we have to have a film fight about. Yeah, it's not that good. We, But me and Glenn what? fundamentally disagree about what, what the sort of movie it is. We need to save this for a future episode. But anyway, <laughs> it's no surprise that Herzog worked with Nick Cage there because Herzog, I think, worked with one of the originators of this style, Klaus Kinski. Have you ever, guys ever seen Fitzcarraldo or Aquire, The Wrath of God? This guy, he, he's just a madman. He's just like, he's getting away from naturalism into just this guy's so insane that I, I don't know what I'm watching. 
which makes a lot of his films fun. Even the terrible... We had a, a couple of bad Nicolas Cage movie marathons with, like, Sorcerer's Apprentice, Knowing, uh, Wicker Man, and the films, Can in spite of itself, are entertaining. Last, last oh, I... Yeah, I still haven't seen Vampire's Kiss. I do need to... Oh, dude, it's a bad movie. Just watch the highlights reel on YouTube. I'm a vampire. I'm a vampire. Yeah, yeah. It's just a lot of terrible stuff in between. But the thing is, what surprises me is Western cinema's sort of, you know, infatuation with naturalism in terms of acting anyway. I mean, I'm a Bollywood fan, and we don't do natural acting at all. So I'm quite used to people going over the top and being extremely melodramatic. So Nick Cage would fit right in a Bollywood movie, to be honest. What's so interesting about Nick Cage is that he's a theatrical actor, but not in the traditional sense. He's not trying to overemphasize looks or glares to get a point across. He's over-empathizing oh, empathizing everything Matt, about Simon his action. Simon West tries to do that with him in, in Con Air, though. All those close-ups of him, like flicking his hair back or like doing... like. Someone gets shot on the plane and he just looks down like, Ugh, like shaking his head. Yeah. Like, shouldn't have done that. Oh, the, the, the marshal, yeah. I've got everything under control. I, I think it's part of why Conair is my least favorite of the three films we're yeah. discussing. Like, it's a great film. Which, which one uh, should we talk about first? Uh, what, what came out first? The Rock came out first. The Maybe Rock should, came out first. Like, are you right? Chronological order? Let's do chronological order. Um, I might start off with The Rock. It is my favourite of the three. Uh, it <sighs> is, I have watched it more times than any of the others. It got me into both Oh, not really got me into, but propelled my fandom in both Elton John and The West Wing because John Spencer was in it. Remember? You, you got into The West Wing by watching The Rock? Yes. I wanted to know more about what? John Spencer. What and he was in this hell? new show, The West Wing. So I started watching The West Wing. And I think I've watched The West Wing more than any other television you man, show. You know what reminds me of The West Wing? In The Rock at the end when you see the US president and Michael <laughs> Bay shoots it from like suddenly there's all this FDR smoke in the angle. room. Yeah, FDR yeah. It's angle. FDR. And it's like, do like love the president and it's like it could be the West Wing <laughs> and it's just in the middle of this movie which is just pointless ridiculous amoral pyrotechnics and then it's like the gravitas of the US president and it's alright we know you love the military Air Mr. Strike Bay approved. you know oh god but anyway but even, but and, even and the military the, love Michael Bay too yeah, do. but even in the West Wing right I mean what was his name? Michael Bartlett or Jeremiah Bartlett? Josiah Bartlett. Josiah, Josiah Bartlett the third. I know. Thank I you. I know exactly. See what? Like who? Is that even a name that like? Is yes, that a presidential he was. Name? I, I, yes, he signed the Declaration of Independence. That's his. His ancestor was the New Hampshire delegate who signed the Declaration know, back in the eighteenth century. It's such an Aaron Sorkin thing to, to say, you know. J- I thought we were talking about national treasure for a moment. I looked down to my notes and it's like, you signed the Constitution and it's Nicolas Cage and it's got to be national treasure. Can we please have a third outing for Benjamin Franklin Gates? Benjamin Franklin Gates. (laughs) Those movies were amazing and they were so Yeah, I'm going to steal the Declaration of Independence. (laughs) Diane Kruger and Harris rejoins him after The Rock. Again, great pairing, Nicolas Cage and Harris. Um, There's a fortress under the... um, what is it? The in South Dakota, yes. Mount Rushmore. Yes. There's a Mayan fortress under Mount Rushmore. <laughs> oh my God! What is wrong with this movie? But it's but Sean Bean is in the first one. It was at the time Da Vinci Code came out, and there was this interest in you know treasure hunting, and it tapped into that really well. And it was the best film to come out of that fun. style. Even that, even even Ghost Rider, like you know, a lot both of, Ghost Riders, Ghost yeah. Rider Spirit of Vengeance. Please do not forget, sir, that is with, true. with Anthony Stewart head. Yeah, and that's that's the thing. I feel like Nicolas Cage movies just transcend. What is he doing? The art form, like Nicolas Cage. He's always he's never acting like it's not even a theatrical. Well, it is a theatrical style, but it's not emotionally realistic. 
<laughs> it's not like it's not like a poetic Leaving version Las Vegas, of Leaving Las Vegas is. He even, some even, of his performances are. Even raving Arizona, Mandy, Arizona. Mandy has some emotional realism in it, as well as some just complete ironic. What's stuff. the one from about three years back where his daughter? She didn't get kidnapped. She actually died, and the whole thing's investigating her death. I'm not There's sure. some very realistic moments um, in that adaptation as well. He's definitely. Oh, have you seen? Yeah, have you seen adaptation, Glenn? Okay, this Dude, is one of my great. To, yeah, actually, I've not seen adaptation. Um, adaptation is. The, probably his best performance. I was thinking there's no, there's none of Raising the... Raising Arizona would be... Raising good. Arizona was really good, really good too, but adaptation is not in like the cartoony register of like Raising Arizona. Oh, Wild at Ca- Heart. Uh, oh, Wild at Heart performance is, is as good oh, as no, Raising no, 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 Arizona. No, 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 Captain Curly's Mandolin. I don't like uh, the movie, but his performance uh, is... Dude, have you ace. seen Wild at, in, in Wild at Heart? He's so like... It's the Nicolas Cage cartoon persona before it got too ridiculous. Like I, David Lynch knows how to play it to the surrealism of the film. I love in how these other movies, he, he doesn't have someone on that level of Lynch. So we're just watching Nick Cage going mad, eating scenery, flicking his hair, you know, going <laughs> all the time, but still being played off as a sex object. I, I love how our discussion is exactly like a Nicolas Cage movie, essentially, because we're rambling, going from one thing to another, yes. to another, to another, to another, to another. So, so yeah, back to the, to back the, to the rock. rock. The, yeah. ro- the rock, the film, which we have to remember, opened with one of the best opening titles ever, where literally flaming oh, yeah. letters of the rock come at the screen <laughs> out of nowhere. Out of like nowhere. just suddenly, it's not like black screen and there's the explosion. It's just suddenly there's fire and the rock. And there's this really sincere moment where he's burying his wife Barbara and he's putting his medals on, and then they go into this amazing heist sequence where they heist the most ridiculous chemical. You know, yeah. it's these green pearls which are. Chemical weapons, they were absurd. And then take over. Did Alcatraz. anyone here play Metal Gear Solid 2? Yes. I can't yeah. I can't help just not see the landing on the tanker at the beginning now when I see the rock when I watch the opening of the rock and it's all the guys landing on the aircraft carrier and it's raining and they're sneaking around and I'm like, Hideo Kojima, you watched this, didn't you? You sly dog. Va- vaguely. Yeah. Vaguely. It's been a long time. Right. Oh. Okay, my hot take. I enjoy the rock more than Indiana Jones series. Sure, yeah, 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 I do too. I don't, I do not, I can't, I, w- I have to be the film scholar here. I'm uh, David th- th- this Cordwell. Has, well, okay, also, David in terms Strachan. of Sean Connery making appearances and stuff, he had a much better performance in this than he did in The Last Crusade, and this yeah, has a true. lot of prestige no, The classicism of Spielberg is actually really, really refreshing after you've been watching this style of action film. I know, but like, I'm, I really I just care prefer... about classicism when I'm watching an Nick Cage movie. That's like, which is the movie that I remember more fondly and I have more fun, and it's definitely yeah. rock. Everyone in this movie Not is Temple great. Of David Morse is racism great. And sexism. That's, that, that it, <laughs> I wish, even though it had Amrish Puri to like the best it has the, it has the ma- no that has the best action scenes <laughs> and speaking true. of the temple of doom it's interesting <laughs> it's... how they replicated the minecart sequence yes that just gets actually to... actually that is the weakest sequence of the that rock. just gets to my like problem with this, this oh, movie in general also like the, the weird subcontinent tokenism from like they're mixing Indian myths with like Sri Lankan myths. Oh, and like, Temple of uh, Doom. And, and, yeah, and oh. I'm just but, like, oh but, my god, just get your myths correct. Yes, but it's a, back to the. <laughs> it's a terrible movie. Yes, I, I'll give you. It's okay, a back. Bad to, we have film. to have an Indiana Jones fight episode. But yes. back to the Rock, right? The problem with that Minecraft, that minecart sequence is a Minecraft sequence. The problem with that mine, <laughs> minecart sequence is this general problem of the movie, which is that you can see the seams all throughout the Rock, like. Uh, maybe it's that Michael Bay's style has become so, like, ossified, and we—it's so recognizable now that I can't just watch this as a movie. My brain is constantly unpacking it. Like, oh, and here's the bit where he does this camera angle, and here's the scene where someone says a dumb one-liner, and it's not good enough, so they quickly fade out of it with a, and then it's like, you know, sunset, and there's the people on the aircraft carrier, and I'm just watching these tropes repeat and repeat and repeat. 
and I, ca- I can't just flow with it as a movie anymore. Does that make sense? It, it does, but also, like, the the point is, it's not meant to flow as a movie. And, I like, know, but I just can't enjoy it as, like, know, a f- piece of fun because I'm, like, not see- I'm not ever, like, believing the characters are in danger. I'm thinking, oh, here's the shot where he zooms the camera in on the guy to make it look like... Uh, I, I, I know, but that's the point, and that's the fun about watching a Nick Cage movie, is that he's set in completely different expectations of how you actually engage with the film. Like, you know going I, no, in that I, you're watching a Nick Cage I movie. I definitely... Look, from Nick Cage's auteur... I I definitely <laughs> I love how we just use the Cage yeah. and Otter. He is an Otter. Right. I agree. He okay. definitely is an Otter. But from the Nick Cageian Otterist perspective, mm-hmm. I agree. The Rock is fantastic, but it's just the Michael Bay elements yes. of it that, that it's, it's actually, get me. It's actually a like, bad I hate, Michael. I hate Bay how film. Michael. No, but I hate how Michael Bay makes movies, and I hate the things he does. But every shot in the Rock, every action sequence is distinctive. Whether it's the morgue sequence where the knife is flying at the guy's head, whether yeah. it's even in itself the worst sequence, the mine sequence, when it's the explosion at the end and Nicolas Cage goes flying through the air, whether it's them swinging down into the original heist, whether it's shooting a man out of a window with a rocket and, sa- rocket and quoting man. Elton John. <laughs> like Every when- sequence is memorable and distinct. You, 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 even if you haven't watched it in years, you can recall each moment in the film and the car chase one of the best car chases but, in recent memory but you're getting at what's bad about the film you just don't even realize it <laughs> it's what's great like the rocket like you you say the rocket man sequence and i just think about how amoral this movie is where we're basically yeah. celebrating the guy landing on the pole oh yeah just it, like, it wasn't enough they had land on the pole these, these movies are so just goddamn cruel and i know it's like turn your brain off but, but, but that's, that's oh, part we're gonna talk about con and x which is also the problem with armageddon like i mean actually which is your, yeah which the, is the worst kind of but, amoral oh, film whether yeah. it's armageddon or uh, the yeah they're they they're amoral that's right it's just like because we as the audience are just cheering on destruction and michael bay is giving it but to us and we're not the to, day. to think about it. they're yeah. saving the day for these but, marines who want to destroy san but francisco but the car chase is absurd it's like michael bay can never scale something down to scope so it's not just like detectives are uh, chasing after the fast driving elderly man he wants to see his daughter just quickly michael bay has to turn it into something bigger than the chase at the end of the blues uh, brothers yeah. where there's all these explosions and there's a comic Stereotype black exactly, guy yes. going. Once again, oh God! Much like, oh God! Much, and, right? Again, much like Armageddon. no one dies. Yeah, no one dies. But it's, there's another thing. Guys. There's a, there's a thing that's even worse than that. And we're going to get into it on, on the, the podcast. I'm afraid uh, because we're almost out of time. Wait for my hot takes on the hairdresser and Michael Bay's homophobia. We're going to be homophobia, talking a lot more racism. about. My, well, not just Michael Bay, Nicolas Cage in the podcast. Uh, subscribe on iTunes and Spotify. will not be tolerated. We will Tune be... in for more anti-imperialist rants on our podcast. And we'll be back next week talking about the biggest film of the year, fresh off seeing it, Avengers Endgame. Everyone's going to see it. It's going to be... Look, you know what it is. It's the biggest movie of the year. This has been Glenn Falkenstein, Chris Evans, Farad Nehru with the beginning of our Nicolas Cage discussion. Have a wonderful it's night. holiday. Enjoy movies. Good night. Oh, you know, this is the later part of the, this with the refrain, sorry. All right, All right so, so... Yeah, Nicolas Cage, yeah. The Rock. How, how do I survive, indeed? But, 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 how do I survive a Nicolas Cage movie? The Rock.
Right. Michael Bay, he can't, he just can't help himself. At the beginning, it's like, you know, instead of having someone who's been briefed, like, okay, this guy's a murderer, you know, like, just get in, do the job. He, I'm, you know, I'm the professional barber for the legal team or whatever. I'm used to working with hardened criminals. They get in the most, like, comic, oh, it's funny because he's gay. Look at how he's effeminate. And he, you know, and Michael Bay, just like, over and over again as this action scene builds up that leads into the dumb car chase I was about to get into. He just can't just do one, okay, it's funny because he has an effeminate voice. Oh! cowering in the corner thing he has to just keep going back to it like it's the funniest thing in the world and it's like but, michael but, bay but actually, you're a goddamn poisonous influence on culture <laughs> with the way that he put out all of this homophobia and all of these stereotypically racist black guys i know always like, just for cutaways god damn you to hell michael bay but that's part of how michael bay is kind of normalized that kind of casual he did. racism and casual homophobia as part of an action film, because it doesn't need a cutaway to a comic scene. No, it, 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 I, I will say it's just so. Cr- it's part of the amorality of the, those parts are genuinely immoral, I, but the yeah. whole thing is, in general has no strong but, but, moral but values. It doesn't part, stand for anything no, no, positive. I, no, I don't think so. I think it is standing. It's what's telling you about how to be a man. You know, a manly man. Man, manly men shoot people. They're shoot not people. like they go Nicholas save Cage. The no, Nicholas Cage is one rung. No, Nicholas Cage is one rung above the pussies already when the movie starts. Like, you know, the the pussies. You could never kill anyone because Nick Cage is a hard man because he does chemical engineering <laughs> stuff where he can almost burn his skin off. And so gets that gives rid him of bombs out of little baby that, dolls. That gives, me, yeah. gives him the potential to become as harder man as as Sean Connery who shoots people and gives no fucks. I must yeah, Marines who are trying to kill Marines who are trying to kill him. Oh god. Okay, I agree with you that I'm glad that these elements are not present in Michael Bay's later work. Certainly, he has moved on from them. Certainly, I've been Bad Boys uh, three and four. They are. They are. I haven't seen all the Transformers yeah. film. Dude, I'm they, trying to recall po- now. Transformers movies are so poisonous. Yeah. Like, Although they're, they're lousy got, films. He, he put, the first but he one pushed is the it one. as much as he could get away with ten years later. It's I guess in the nineties oh, yeah. you could be more extreme. I mean I mean that gay little, bashing. That whatever. shot of uh, Megan Fox, that was kind oh, of Oh yeah, yeah, the misogyny uh, and anyway. Yeah. But yeah, but we'll, we'll talk but about Michael, Michael Bay's Bay, goddamn yeah. style. Like, after, you know how you're talking about at the beginning, we've got a you know this like the scene where they steal the you know the cute the the, the pearls, the grape, the grapevines, the, 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 mo- the, the most <laughs> poorly intricately yeah. designed dangerous chemical weapons ever. Yeah. So after the scene where they steal those, then suddenly it's like we are in an ad. It's 1995, and we are in an ad, and that's you, you know the sign that you're behind the confident directorial hand of recently uh, turned to filmmaker Adman Michael Bay. You've got like so many shots, which are so look at me, I am directly addressing you, the audience, and it's off-putting to see them in a conventional narrative movie. Michael Bay's moved a bit away from this as he's gotten more used to working in the feature film sense. But it's like wide-angle lens right in Nick Cage's face, and then he's like pointing into the camera, and someone else is like, yeah, Roger! And then it's like a Rube Goldberg machine happening. And this is definitely a Microsoft ad. But no, Michael Bay thinks it's the way that you introduce a character. Yeah, look, Bad Boys is still his best work, probably. <laughs> I mean, yeah. I mean, if you're going to shoot like an ad film, at least... It looks like an ad or a music video. The creativity of Terrence Malick but, no, it, but, you know. but like the sets, instead of ever having any kind of like slight grittiness, like this is a real prison... They always look like it's the live-action Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles or it's like a Michael Jackson video or something right, because there's this weird smoke machines and flashing lights in the background and it all all of it's set in an unreality, which could be interesting, 
but Michael Bay never gives it a kind of charm. It's all just like glossy and fake. Let's draw a distinction between this in several sequences in the film. The one where the Marines are assaulted as they enter the shower block. The one there are several sequences that take place um, in much more naturalistic setting. Why on is the there a minecart ride in the in Alcatraz? And, and, and I grew, other and I, than to emulate. Okay, okay. First of all, okay, I agree with you on that point. Secondly, they didn't they establish that it was old mining. Unfortunately, they would have had to build it in the, around the time of the Civil War. Surely they would have had to have but even lugged to, all that to stuff. But still up have somehow. all the mining stuff there when it's become a prison, then it's become a tourist attraction. Um, you, you have any? Well, you watched us. You have any idea how many like alleys and like halls are just beneath cities all over the U.S.? But, oh, oh, but come yeah. on, oh, mine yeah. cut so beneath realistic. Alcatraz. <laughs> but those action sequences were interesting. And you know what? Stanley Goodspeed, not your typical action hero, Sean Connery, delivering one of his better performances of the later stage of his career. No, okay. it's, it's still the League of Extraordinary Gentlemen. No, it's nothing in the League. Oh, that is a tr- no. truly <laughs> the way awful that... film. Please do not compare this to the League of Extraordinary Gentlemen. Sadly, Sean Connery's, I think, last live Yeah, he was movie. shamed out of appearing in anything ever again. Wow. Um, there's still, one good shot of that movie. Like there's one good shot as like the Invisible it. Man is running away through the library and trying to, you know, make himself invisible and get rid of the coat. Otherwise, it's just a poor movie Sean okay it's still fun so Sean we have to fight about that Sean Connery at the beginning because Michael Bay can't help himself creates all this wanton destruction in this massive car chase um, where it's It's like okay this guy's not worth taking into Alcatraz anymore it's like just put him back in jail He look at how much you know destruction he caused which we as the audience are meant to enjoy and not think about the people getting hurt and then no one was. I don't think anyone was actually hurt in that. Chase. Oh, but but really, look really? at look at what's happening. There's like the, oh god, and the thing jumping. It's like they say no one gets hurt, but people got hurt. You know what I mean? You can just go with the movie magic, but just romanticizing that. Yeah, there was there was one explosion as the three cars at the telephone call where I accept. Okay, people could have got hurt in that. Otherwise, there are also like six cars piling up and and things flying through. Oh, the that's air. right. Actually, there's a great moment. It made no sense. It was like the three separate explosions yeah. of the pipeline in the world so, was not enough. Where all the cars just flip over at the same time. Yeah. So at this point, I'm just thinking, all right, Sean Connery is a lunatic. I I hate this guy. Um, why didn't he just say, "I'll do the mission if you allow me to talk to my." my daughter under your supervision. Instead, he, was he trying had to, to get away. But, he wasn't just trying to talk to you. He was actually trying to get away. But there's no way you can get away when you've caused that much damage. You've just become like everyone's... But he did. He could have kept going on the run and he thought he would. Only, it was only Stanley Goodspeed who managed to catch up with him. One of the, no, no. All of them had <laughs> caught up with him. Goodspeed just handled the situation by saying, we yeah. need your dad instead of your No, no, no that, that's not true. He called it in. Yeah, he did. Good speed, bless, bless, yeah. bless you, good speed. God speed to you. And he's not. And Nicholas Cage is not the only good actor in this film. David Morse is superb. And the guy from Terminator who led the mission uh, before the massacre happened. But, okay, uh, okay, hang on, hang on. What's the his point name? about this um, scene is this guy is like at this point, he you know I'm I'm thinking whoa, look at all that destruction that was just caused. But the movie wants you to go like, oh, look at the cute old Irish man with the like... Irish man? Scottish man. Scottish man. Sorry. Thank you, Chris. Yeah, sorry, sorry, sorry. <laughs> They're all the um, same. The Scottish man. Having just returned from Ireland, I can tell you, Virat, no, that's not true. Flutes in the background and it's all like, do-do-do-do, like the the mysteries of the Irish... <laughs> oh, is this at the end where the it's just nice music? No, no, it's no, about no. the scene where they, they walk plays away. In the, the scene at the at the university where he's talking to his daughter right after he's just destroyed San Francisco, and I'm thinking, I was listening to Irish music on the way here. I can't. Pop, pop. At this point, it, it should be like scary criminal music whenever this guy, because you never know who he might just accidentally kill whenever he walks onto the scene. But the movie's suddenly like, oh, look at the cute old man. Like, and no, it's like Michael Bay. That, that's the problem. There's you can't latch onto this movie because it's all so fake that there's nothing yeah, no. emotionally genuine 
genuine in this. But part part of the problem with Michael Bay's style is that everything emotional is telegraphed a mile away. Yeah, like, there's nothing emotional genuine in any of the three films we're about to no, discuss. No, 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 but that's, that's part of the but thing. But no, it's but like, in Face so Off, it's emotion, heightened. it's fake in more interesting ways. Oh, yeah. oh I, I would totally disagree with that. Here you have the relationship between Stanley Goodspeed and his fiance. You have the relationship Let's between Sean Connery. But that was just Sean a Connery, prototype. Sean Connery and his daughter. Hey, this is a man's you man's have... man's 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 movie, right? So yeah, the relationship yeah. with his his girlfriend yeah. has nothing to do with it. It's just there yeah. so that you're like, it, that so that there. no one says, is this a gay movie about about the bromance between Nicolas Cage and Sean Connery? It's yeah, like, no, man. he has a he has a girlfriend. Yeah. I can't see the girlfriend role as anything but the visual prototype for what he was going to do in Armageddon. It was the audience empathy every, role. Keep and so she was in it throughout the film. Like, no. She was yeah. just at the beginning. Whenever there, she played a consistent role. But no, she barely, her role, pieces in between the movie are nothing. It's like a scene where they go, it, it, this, I hear he's in danger, ma'am. We're going to find her. You know, this movie would work like, much better from an... But it, it does establish the most stakes when it looks like Stanley Goodspeed and he's being killed in the explosion at the very end which actually was one of the best sequences in the film yeah but like but it's yeah, also just so ridiculous of course so. it's ridiculous of course no one can fly out of an explosion like no, no, no. that but it's, not, a, it's a Nicolas Cage not, film not, and it's I'm called I'm also not talking about logic and what I'm talking about is like how do you telegraph emotion in a way where even though you know it's not real even though you know that you're not going to believe it in that moment it feels real and that's what Michael Bay cannot do he's no. so preoccupied with making a man's movie and, and making real men. and making an this kind of glossy aesthetic spectacle it's, it's, well, like, it's it always I has know to be plenty of people aren't men who enjoy the rock it always has to be no! over the top yes style. Right, no! thank you <laughs> i have I yet to see one okay sure person person <laughs> all right fine okay. um, look, <laughs> on the matter furthermore on the rock this established a, it, it, it settled in a setting, which hit hard to, aside, hadn't been a staging in anything but classic Hollywood films. It created its own world. It wasn't just set in the department complex like Die Hard. No aspersions of Die Hard. It created the world, something real, something fake, out of Alcatraz, which is fascinating. I have since visited Alcatraz. It, it created like a, several music video sets where you're expecting to have like <laughs> 90s basketballs running around or people like rapping to the camera like, Hoo! And this is like the glossy version of like a decrepit street where there's a smoke machine in the background for some reason. Yeah, and that's what he the, made Alcatraz look like. Uh, yeah, <laughs> yeah. Sure. What's wrong with it? Looks that? like Alcatraz looks like a set where Ali G is going to interview child protection services agents. <laughs> 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 yes, yeah, it was. Respect. <laughs> it, of course, it was an outrageous set. They could have actually filmed Alcatraz, and in fact, Alcatraz is actually a lot smaller than people think. I look. I actually generally enjoy ridiculous sets. It's just something about Michael Bay makes me feel like he's not in on the joke. Oh yeah, I, no, I, I, no, I, I, he absolutely is. He Armageddon. I really he don't knows think he is. what he's making. No, no, I know he knows his trash, but, but I, I, I don't think, I think he I gets think he it on all the levels. I think he does. Yeah. There's no he, way he thinks of himself as a great like filmmaker. This massive lack of self-awareness from all the interviews, all the actors who worked with him. I feel like it's he's like it's great because people love it. I'm popular yeah. and and that's good. Well, he's got a classic narcissistic personality. So there you go. I mean, Michael Bay. I've never met Michael Bay, so I can't comment. But I think he knows he is making outrageous fun stuff. <laughs> he, he does, but I don't think he realizes the levels on which it's bad, and thus he comes without a self awareness. And go, going, oh God, can I? Th- is, can we rant about more things about The Rock? Or- yes, but okay. can we get back to the original discussion, which mm-hmm. is Nicolas Cage. Of the three films, this is his best performance. He's most interesting no, in Stanley Goodspeed. Face Off's the best. Clearly the best performance. Oh, no, 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 no. He stops being interesting as soon as he becomes Sean Archer. He was great as Castle Troy. That was the first 20 minutes, yeah. and then he's just boring for but the rest of the But he has a film. few great moments. We'll talk about this in the Face Off discussion. He has a few great moments as Archer. 
he, okay, yeah, he has a couple. One in the sequence with uh, where the Take his where, face oh, when he's on drugs. Yeah, that, that, that sequence. That was the only <laughs> interesting sequence with Nicolas Cage as Sean Connery. That that was be- that scene was better than the whole of The Rock. But we saw <laughs> <laughs> we saw Sally Goodspeed. It wasn't just immediate action star. We saw him develop as someone who was very timid, who was reluctant, and then was forced to become this upscale ridiculous marine who was able to shoot people out of a window with a rocket and save the day and push one of these chemical pearls into some guy's face like the, the lens that which she goes to the commitment which she has to this character it's much more interesting than um him as Sean Archer or him as Cameron Poe which is in many stresses just kind of repetitive and even boring the name's Cameron Poe with Bernie <laughs> back in the box so I will stand by that it is Nicholas of the three it is Nicholas Cage's best gig and it was the first one and is still the outstanding one i love the, I, I like them all i enjoy them all but the rock yeah um so michael bay no no well okay goddamn michael bay goddamn you to hell michael bay all right so ed harris's character right another prestige actor we haven't discussed it's so funny he's in this stop calling him prestige actors he's phenomenal what okay. are you talking know, about but don't call him a prestige actor he, he, he's great at everything he does i know but like, snowpiercer how good is that movie that he's fantastic movie. but ed harris was he the was he the head of the train in Snowpiercer? Yes. Okay. Yeah. yeah. Um, okay. So Ed Harris is the result of when you've got a plot that has the military being villains, but you have to do some rewrites because you want the military on board to help you out <laughs> with equipment hire, which is also kind of the problem with Captain Marvel. But okay, let's get. Well, it's, actually, right, so, it's actually you could argue it's a very in every respect a very pro military film. That's right. Michael Bay yeah, oh, yeah. loves the military, oh, and yeah. the military loves Michael Bay. He loves the, he's guns. the only filmmaker who has no like carte blanche, no matter what film he's making, um, access to the U.S. military's resources because they know that no matter what the subject is, he's going to do right by them. He's going to make a polished yeah. ad for the army. He's going right? to make them look like patriots. So this You're is a patriot. Yeah, they are. So patriots. this is a movie about a military guy who sets up something that could kill a whole bunch of civilians in a city. Um, so so you would think that the military would be the villains, right? But no, don't, this guy, is he's the only honorable man. So at the end, the president has to be like, you know, goddamn us that we would make this man do these things as if he can't, shouldn't take it on board himself. He Not was an just an innocent. But... But no, there's a le- there's a level of like I can go with you know John Rambo rampaging in, in the wilderness in Rambo like yeah maybe he's earned it, but I can't go with he setting up a thing that could potentially kill hundreds of oh, thousands no. of yes, civilians. That, that, is, that is wrong. So Ed Harris crossed a line in terms of being a sympathetic character, but the movie still tries to make him out to be one. So there's the, as well as the goddamn us for making him bad president thing. There's also you know we've set up the other evil marines who are more you know less morally. Um, upstanding who aren't are willing to kill people versus him who isn't and it's hang on if this guy was brutal enough to lead a team and to go through with this effort like it's like you don't draw a gun unless you're ready to fire it like people can die once you put something like this into action so essentially he would have to be as morally compromised as anyone else to have led this operation but suddenly the movie wants us to like him like I, I only well, they want us to like him the whole I, way through. I, I agree with you. There's all these the same level of moral prison. culpability. You know, I, I I agreed to put all of these people in prison while we had this horrendous military, ag- you know, chemical agent attached to missiles. 
but I was never really going to kill people because I'm a glorious, you know, da-da, do a military salute, the eagles flapping in the background, patriot. Yeah. And like, oh, it's so stupid. But, but here's, here's my... Here's my... Of, of course it's stupid. I mean, yeah. I know, but like but it's stupid my... in ways... Like face-off is mostly stupid in ways that are fun, whereas these is stupid in ways that make me think like this movie is radiating something poisonous. Oh, there's yeah, similar I mean, comments about the FBI in, I mean... in face-off. Okay, here's my hot take, and I think it's more than stupid. I think it's 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 insidious, which and I'll explain why. Because it's setting up this kind of dichotomy where, the, yes, both sides are bad, but here's this other evil Marines who are more bad. So you need these less ba- bad guys to actually, you know, embrace their Maybe bad side. In fairness, they were like to, actually more bad. Yes, they I, were. I, I, they were as so morally culpable, but they were more but, bad. This kind of like necessary evil kind of mentality. I, I, is, I, I don't think he's calling him necessary evil. I think he's no. establishing there's a bad guy who deserved to die under the I circumstances. Know, I know, but like the fact that it, that makes our heroes heroes because they're trying to take out even more bad guys. It doesn't make them less morally culpable. It just makes them also bad guys. And this film is not I'm not saying he's less morally culpable. I'm saying they're just they're just more sadistic people. No, no, I think the film is saying that. The film makes it look like these guys are now not morally culpable because they took out even worse guys. I, I I think he's still saying that Ed Harris is a terrible person. I think the movie's... And that, no, but um, the, no, but the movie, honestly, no, with, like, the, the West Wing David shot Morse is a all terrible about, person. Like, 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 Ed Harris like, this kind of you know, patriot. like, salute... Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like, he, he would be redeemed if he had survived the movie. Yeah. And that's just... Horrible! It is just—it's actually not horrible. It's cruel. It's insidious. But, it, but it's just but Michael no, Bay has he, barely he, even no, thought no. about it. The character <laughs> knows what he did. Yes, he knows what he was. But he it's not that he knows what he did was wrong. He's acknowledging what he did was wrong. Yes, but no, acknowledging. The, it's not a redeeming thing. arc. It's not a redeeming arc. Neither him or the David Morse character. In, in, in Michael you know Bay's what? world, that is redemption. That's what I'm trying okay, to get at. Two more thoughts about this this movie. <laughs> One, Sean Connery. Is, it's so funny that his theme is like this like look at the cute old man when it, it sets him up as like actually he's a scary hard it's James it's James Bond got caught in the 60s basically but it, it it's like Heath Ledger in 10 Things I Heard About You last week or 20 years ago or whatever when um, <laughs> it was last week it was one week and 20 years ago yeah <laughs> when he um, you know Heath Ledger is like set up as this, he's this scary guy he's got you know he's like playing with fire and he's got a drill for some reason and then suddenly he he's like actually just a top bloke like Sean Connery is set up as this scary guy who we should fear. He, he throws the guy off the balcony and he's like potentially killing people. And then suddenly it's like, you know, as he leaves at the end, when you play the cutesy music and like, he's, it's like he's in Finding Forrester instead of The Rock. Not a bad movie. But, but the two, <laughs> two things about that. The one going back to um, the twist with the Marines, it set up an interesting third act where Ed Harris was the primary villain. With regards to Sean Connery, it set up the hilarious reveal, which was set up earlier in the film w- as well, about the microfilm and JFK and the aliens, just adding another level, just, which just drills over the fact that this film is intentionally meant, and knowingly so, to be absurd. The, the reference to the alien landing at Roswell. Let's just remember, in this film... In, in in this universe, aliens exist, and oh, they do exist. But I think they know it's absurd, but they just don't. I don't know if they get. But why I'm trying to get at the fact that it's not absurd or stupid. I mean, I can I can buy stupid, I can buy absurd, I can buy harmless fun. But I think it's more than that. What really irks me on this movie is that it's not aware of what messaging it's sending out. No, I think I actually think Michael Bay just does not care. I think what Mike, this is, is what I mean about the amorality of the yeah. movie. Like compared to the other two movies we're going to talk about, I could not feel any real genuine moral 
sensibility in the film of what is good other than US military is good. Other than that, I don't think it genuinely stands for any message. Like not even like good is better than evil, and really. We know the because US I think all good. of it's it's not so much about good versus evil as it is about who's like the better macho men and who makes the most cool destruction kills. Like um it feels like a video game. I'll give movie. you like the moment the rocket man moment where I just it, I just felt like this is sadistic when we have to see that guy then land on this pole and die, you know, and get skewered and the pole painted with blood. Or like it it's even coming through in the way that Michael Bay directs the act the like the action scenes. Like when I was talking earlier about the car chase, before they get into the cars, when they you it's funny, you see the same level of um just like innocent bystanders getting hurt. Um when they're on foot. So they're pushing down escalators, shoving these hotel stuff out of the way. Like even Nicholas, and it's jarring that Michael Bay doesn't realize that maybe an audience might be jarred by seeing the hero like palm someone in the face, like out of my way. Or drive a Ferrari not caring where it uh, lands when it comes out of that glass window. Yeah, yeah. Like other directors might have had that I don't know, like that sense that that could put the audience off. But in Michael Bay's universe, it doesn't care. It's just who make good boom best my man, you know, and Nick Cage makes <laughs> good booms. Good. He make, there he, are better, he makes good there booms. There are better explosions in this film than any of the other he makes, we're going to talk about. He makes better booms than Ed Harris and even uh, the other guy, the, the muscle guy. And also Sean Connery, he can like throw a GoPro knife. God, the scene where the camera flies with the knife is so ridiculous. The, like the, the, it was actually a great action. So, it made me never laugh. Hesitate. It just absolutely made but that's, me but that's laugh. What, but it's every action sequence in the film is shot differently and actually has different conceits surrounding it. Throwing a guy off the roof with his hair. No one's ever done that before. Every moment is this thing. And that's what makes it different from Face Off, where it's just a bunch of stupid... Well, it's great, but the explosions aren't indistinct from each other. And the same for There Connor. aren't many fa- explosions in Face Off, though. <laughs> Uh, uh, there, there, are there are several explosions with okay, the, the boat, uh, the plane at the beginning. Um, That's only two. Um, the entire jailbreak sequence. That's not. An There's a lot of explosions in that. He throws a chemical glass thing and then shoots it, and it explodes at a bunch of people's faces. There's a lot yeah. of explosions in that movie. Should we go on to talk about Face Off? Is Face Off next? Are we? Is there anything else to say about? The Rock? No, I think I've, I've voiced all my... Yeah, I've said everything I want to say about yeah, The Rock. All right. Well... Which is, uh, yeah, a lot. There, 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 go there, there, there. away, Michael Bay. <laughs> <laughs> so the next one we are talking about is Face Off. Actually, let's, let's do Corn Air next. Can we do... Cause yeah. Because, like, okay, like sure. Face yeah. Off would be a nice high point, because Corn Air I, I had that... not, a little to say about. Okay. All right. So directed by Simon West, this is starring Nicolas Cage, John Malkovich as Cyrus the Virus. Okay. Um <laughs> Uh, we also have in this film uh, one of my favorite John Cusack roles and Steve Buscemi in probably his most outrageous, even by the standards of Steve Buscemi roles, and Monica Potter. It is about Cameron Poe, who is a U.S. marshal or ranger or military man, I can't quite remember, who is convicted at the beginning of in a bar brawl, sent to prison, gets out of prison, and is wants to be reunited with his wife and daughter, except he is goes on a plane with all the most worst criminals in the world and as he states in the film someone managed to put a, the worst criminals in the world on one plane and then someone managed to hijack that plane <laughs> and that's just the plot of the film it's Conair um this actually ended the Myth 7 Nicolas Cage film marathon last year I think for good reason it's such a light film I don't think I, I like with The Rock. I don't think you can take it seriously, and it's a film you can just have it in the background yeah. and just have be stupid. I was I was there in that marathon, and it was actually after like you know peak cage for I don't know how many hours. 
This is the least amount of Pete Cage you get to see in a movie, which actually is saying a lot because it still has a lot of like Pete Nick Cage. Okay, well, I'm, I'm gonna say it now because we're gonna endlessly repeat. Put the bunny back in the box. Conair, Conair is also like the Elton John song Rocket Man. Conair, I think, is slightly more more moral slightly than um than the rock because when the plane cra- is crashing here there's at least people saying like think about the civilians that could be killed in michael bay's universe it's just like god i, ho- I hope some people die so i can see more boom okay i think, but, it's, I, I think um, it's actually outrageous <laughs> that you would say that there's is a redeeming arc for the ed harris character when a psychopath who killed a hundred something people is given a redeeming arc when he a doesn't kill a little girl and b goes to vegas to gamble suddenly oh, he's okay, okay now that, so bit, this is all that right. bit's messed up as hell i was gonna <laughs> yeah. get to that okay. but in general the movie is less amoral than the rock it just has a few flagrantly horrific things in it <laughs> yeah. um, thanks for not killing anyone this time steve buscemi <laughs> That, and that story about wearing that lady's head as a hat for three states, yeah. like, that's totally okay. It's We're so totally distasteful cool with that. the way it does the, the pedophile bait as a, as a like cheap, uh, you know, plot, <laughs> like tension escalation thing. Like it's like we cut away from the Death Star run, and it's like, is Han Solo going to molest a child? That's the level that like this is. This feels like a cartoon, and then you're just throwing that in. It's so wrong. Should we have yeah, done I, a, I agree. And that was much con- more discomforting than anything in The Rock. Should we have done a content warning for this one? I don't know. <laughs> but yeah, it is quite discomforting. Uh, but, also but, like- but like, but the whole bit, it, you see how fake the movie is because like an explosion yeah. goes off and then it's like, hang on, isn't a guy playing with a little girl around here? So in the middle of the explosion <laughs> scene, we cut to a shot of her face going like, teehee. And it's like, there's no way they shut that and told the girl, hey, a bomb just went off over there. They're just like, oh, shit, we didn't get it. What, do we, what can we do with this in editing? Okay, just show that she does, there's a little girl over there and we've got nothing to explain why she doesn't react to the explosions. Okay, just grab one of those shots of her laughing and superimpose the sound of the explosion. All right, she doesn't care. All right, moving on. <laughs> And we're good. Just the only person ever involved in one of these films, Nicholas Cage, that doesn't care about an explosion. Yeah. I, this is one of those ones, you know, I'd be home from school and just felt like watching a this trashy movie, movie and I'd put it on. epitomizes, I think all of these movies actually epitomize Friday night, 8.30 p.m. Yeah. 90s. Like t- early 2000s. Yeah. These movies ruled that, that time slot. It was slot. just always on. All of these movies were. And because all the actors in it were and remain really popular. And John Cusack doing Nicholas this Cage straight man gig. Nicholas Cage with the, the long the king flowing of like head, bad... Alabama accent. Oh, man, John Cusack. How funny is it yeah. at the end when they team up and the movie goes for like the hero shot of them like nodding to each other on yeah. motorcycles and it's so trying to set it up like the audience get excited. Like, together at last, two of the greatest action heroes of our time, Actually, John Cusack and Nicholas Cage. Like, see, this, this he, they're, they're like real successes to Arnold Schwarzenegger and Stallone. Right, this is why... Conair is my least favorite of the three. It's a great movie, but as soon as the plane crashes on the strip, the movie doesn't be, isn't interesting anymore. The truck chase, the, the truck chase, the fire truck chase. If you do a I kill, was the, better than this. The, the ending of the truck chase is boring. The how Cyrus dies is yeah boring. Most of it's just boring. It's just that the way it sets up Nicolas Cage and the way it ends with the Faith Hill song is hilarious. Um, and the ending with the Faith Hill song is even hilarious. The beginning, like the beginning is <laughs> yeah. another one of those funny things about like um, appeal to the people. You know, the military is hard done by in this country. Like, let's make a movie about how 
The military you know, are hard done by, to be fair. I know, but but the whole movie is like, yeehaw, like Nicolas Cage, great army guy. But um, the movie, it's like, you should feel sorry for him because the judge says, because of your military training, you are a killing machine. Therefore, usual self-defense laws do not apply. And it's like, no, what would actually happen is they would say, sir, this guy is a very honorable dude who who is self-defense defending his wife. And he would be like, all right, you're, you you know, one month community service. Actually, it's a lot more co- the it was actually a lot more complicated I in know. terms of how that would actually factor into his sentencing. But the but court the actually says something just stupid like that. Oh, no, I agree with you. The movie is the, dumb. No judge would ever say that yeah, ever but, in history but like, of But anything. he's saying... But I know that it, it's dependent on a lot of factors, but if anything, the military prestige would be a thing in his favor with the character references. Yes. Well, the fact that John Cusack says, hey, we got a friend up there. He's ex-military. He's our guy. Yeah, like yeah. exactly. That's how it really is. The system would be like... We're backing you up on this, especially okay. given that there's, there'd be witnesses and his his girlfriend saying this guy was trying to kill and rape us, or whatever, you know. Okay, let's let's back up for a second because an interesting comment you made about this being the taking it way too seriously. Anyway. Yeah, no. Oh so yeah. The, no, the no, point no, is, yes. there's a good guy yeah, no. in the sky with criminals. No, no, but also, <laughs> but also the point, the point you made, Chris, about this being the perfect Friday night eight thirty movie. This sort of lit up a fuse in my head, or like a bulb, or whatever things light up in your head. You know. That Light the fuse. Yeah. <laughs> the, the where I think part of the reason why I hate mainstream corporate movies now and why I loved a lot of these movies back then is that these movies are still way more audacious in their creativity and what they are trying to do than a lot of these mainstream I think so. action movies now. I think, I think they're they not following a template. And yes, they, Especially face they off. feel stupid right now, but back then they really did feel adventurous and creative and trying They still were things. stupid, though. I, I'm, and and <laughs> most action movies are stupid in general. It's interesting but that's how... that's not the point. That shouldn't take away from the fact that these movies are still trying to do something it's interesting. really out there. There's this, like, Jerry Bruckheimer to house style, which I would say probably Tony Scott was the originator of, and then... You know, Michael Bay imitated it, but then added his own thing, and you can see that same kind of style in in Conair. It's like it's not as developed as what Michael Bay's doing, but it's the same kind of like cut up, you know, into lots of tiny little pieces and like cameras swinging around people as they go into dramatic poses. And it's hard to do that in a confined setting such as a plane, but they make it work. Um, the reworking of the Die Hard sequence where the body is thrown out of the plane—it feels more real to it. It feels it has more gravity to me than The Rock. I know that it still feel it's still it's still completely fake and ridiculous, but it, the settings feel more real. The action feels a little bit less, like I, like within the rules of this dumb universe, I can go with it. Whereas the rock kind of jarred me. Does that make sense? I like I, it has a gravity to it. No, I I think the absurdity in I I take all these films as absolutely absurd. And, I do too. And Conair is, is so ridiculous. much more egregious in those. I can't believe you did that. Stakes. I still prefer Air Force One as a film zone on the plane. It came out just about the same time. Um, but this, look, I enjoyed it for the most part. I didn't get into the ending. Um, I think if we're going to have a go at how, in The Rock, how the fiancé was used. Actually, I refer to his part. I think it was actually, film not a couple character, was O.C.'s fiancé. She was much more poorly handled as the char- equivalent character in Con Air. Um, some of the, I don't remember any of the action sequences Having not said so before, we watched it. I don't remember, didn't remember too many of the action sequences on the plane. Not too particularly memorable. The interesting sequences are on the ground. Certainly, when they're trying to refuel when they land at that hangar. Um, I like the beginning when they're establishing the characters. The sequence where they take over the plane and they establish the two sequences that take over the plane. And Cyrus gets the two guns. Um, were quite well staged. John yeah. Malkovich is goddamn incredible in this movie. He's having 
an absurd amount of fun He's after so doing proud a of lot of dramatic breath. pieces. Oh, you know, yeah. remember at the end he says like, Poe, the la- you know, I swear, like the last thing your daughter's going to smell or something is like my stinking breath. And it's like, I thought yeah. you were a sophisticated man. What's this- up with like, just get some Listerine, just get some yeah. gu- extra sugar-free gum and some floss. This, this is my second favorite <laughs> over-the-top uh, John Malkovich role. Yeah. It's true. <laughs> yeah, th- this is my second favorite over-the-top John Malkovich role. Second to Johnny English, where he plays Pascal Sauvage. Oh, I, the guy who's tenth in line to the throne yeah. what, with a terrible, terrible it's French accent. But it was so it's hilarious. All, this, so all the Johnny English movies. Oh, that movie was te- terrible. It was always terrible. There's one funny scene in the hospital uh, when he gets jump, into the wrong jump, building. Jumped up Frenchman is how he described it. And, uh, it's pretty funny. Uh, he was much better as a uh, Frenchman in both Dangerous Liaisons and the man in the iron mask. Those are both. Yeah, but much we're not talking movies. about his actual dramatic performances. We're just talking about when he's just having a goddamn lot of fun. And I feel like yeah, these two movies really stand out. Nicholas Cage is main in this movie. The way <laughs> it's that it's beautiful. like it's beautiful. Like he's like he's a real man because he's got like this perfume ad look. <laughs> <laughs> Which is that shot they showed all the whatever they had yeah, the ad on. Oh, he's just looking he's and like he's on the, the ground and it's just like flowing. The, in the luscious back. flowing but, hair, like yeah. like where he closes his eyes and smiles. But like, but like not Nicholas even... Cage is so good at those little insert. Just just do this face, Nick Cage. Yeah, yeah. But yeah. also, like, not a perfume ad, like Chanel or some kind of prestige thing. You know, I, no, I it's like diesel for yeah, men. Yeah, you know. Rugged. <laughs> yeah, 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 like an ironic, ironic perfume, like, called, like, dysentery or, like, It's like, know. we couldn't get Leo DiCaprio for this magazine spread, but this guy will do. Yeah. <laughs> because Oscar winner, Nicholas Cage. In a singlet. Can you imagine the ads back in the 90s? Just think about the Oscar- cologne. <laughs> Oscar winner, Nicholas Cage, relieve Los Vegas. Yeah, imagine, Stars in Con Air. You know this, Con Air. the Con scene. Air. You know the scene at the end where, for whatever some reason, the, the bunny's still there. No, yeah, but also <laughs> the lady who has been imprisoned kisses Nick Cage on the cheek because he's such a man. She should have. They we missed a product placement opportunity for her to be like, "What's that cologne?" And he could have been like, "Yeah, it's diesel rugged." <laughs> like when she when she leans in as he uh, stares just, I, into the camera. There's so many ways this movie could be better because, like, the Hard Rock was not enough. Um, product placement for me. The yeah. big close up of yeah. the Hard Rock Cafe. Like, I, oh, I, yeah. We're in Las Vegas, this, this right? We've sold our morals. I want of, more product placement. A lot of product <laughs> Just going past each hotel, just getting a shot of each hotel <laughs> yeah. as you run down the strip. <laughs> oh, and no, no, none of that. What, what, why land in Vegas? Why? Why? Dude, I love, I love Malloy. Malloy is a character who definitely would not survive a Michael Bay film. He's Which, Cole Meany's. From Star Trek. Gov- yes. Yeah, government jackass who's just always there being like. Whose stock car gets stolen, right? Yeah, and he, yeah. he's just always like, I, I, that's his punishment because this isn't the Michael Bay universe where it's like he deserves to have his head explode. This is just like he's a jackass, so he can just like steal his car. Colmini's a really underrated actor, um, particularly in feature films. Like te- the television audiences know him really well through multiple Star Trek series, but except for the recent film where he was McGuinness um, opposite um, Timothy Spall, he doesn't. He hasn't. And, and had major roles in too many yeah, films. It's, it's unfortunate. It's, it's but Meany in this is just the perfect '90s. Like, you're on your own, hotshot. Like, you know, the, the police will t- take it from here. Like, ah, he's blown it already. Not even telling us his coordinates. Like, you just cut away to him, and he's saying some dumb thing that makes the audience go, "Ha ha, we know better than him." <laughs> oh, yeah, I'm just, I'm, I'm just struggling to really pinpoint if there's any sequence on the plane which just really stands out and I no. can't there is and that's what that's the film down for me there's no memorable heart moment except for the, the character bunny bits gets are it, great though. that was so funny the what 
John Malkovich holding yeah. the gun at the toy rabbit. Yeah, the character bits, the character <laughs> vignettes are, are, are hilarious. But there's a whole yeah. second act of the film which is just relatively uninspiring in the scale of Nicolas Cage action movies. That is, that is yeah, true. actually, the bar was set too high, unfortunately. Nicolas yeah. Cage is playing a guy who doesn't have any craziness to him, which is why he's less interesting than the guy in The Rock who would do the spontaneous, like, you know like something something like butthole like he just <laughs> you know like he was just like yell oh, the, something the, 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 the dialogue <laughs> about the prom queen oh, oh yeah god. yeah god. yeah exactly yeah so um, but in, in con air he's just like a nice guy like i have to save my friend yeah it's just which is not interesting nicholas cage is a madman the best directors of these kinds of nick cage action films see if, if, if the film made sense he would have just thought all right, look, I don't want to deal with any of these guys. They're going to stop at an island somewhere. I'm going to say, see you later, bye, and I'm going to go back to my wife yeah. um, or fiancé. Yeah, remember. exactly, but he's like, no, I have to save this guy I just met. He needs an insulin shot. <laughs> and for somehow that guy survives never getting the shot of oh, the entire course yeah. of oh, the movie. Oh, yeah, he... Uh, <laughs> He did, he did or, well. Oh, did, did maybe well. He got it. Like, maybe just right near the end. Did did he get the shot for him? Oh yeah. He. Oh no no no. He got the medical supplies when they landed in the warehouse. Yeah. And he found it in that like chest of yeah, drawers. Yeah, yeah. But did he, he took use it? Out. it? I don't he, remember. Like, they showed him finding it. I accept that he would have used it on him. Fine. Like I I I can. I can get that. That's fine. The guy's still not holding up well. <laughs> Even dr- dr- when he. Yeah. Granted. Like. Yeah, it's a big. Yeah. When he gets involved in the action scene at the end, John Malkovich is like. You've been near death the entire trip. Like, he even can't believe that the script is taking us in this direction. <laughs> even John Malkovich doesn't give a damn. Yeah. <laughs> so that is... No, but I, I love John Malkovich. Uh, 90s John Malkovich was the most fun because he could do, you know, crazy stuff like that. And not Dude, we're going to get to do a 20-year retrospective episode with being John Malkovich. Oh, yeah. When we do this, I, there's a second big terrible thing to admit. You've can never we, seen I've never seen it. Well, that's we perfect. Do, like, can we watch it and then do it? Yeah, yeah, that's the yeah. idea. I, I have no idea what it's about, yeah, honestly. Yeah, yeah, that's, that's what I want us oh, to do. Like, yeah. when the, we name a movie we haven't seen, catch up on it. I reckon in future episodes of Film Fight Club, when... We I, we should just do a thing like someone names a movie they want to talk about. Like if you guys ever like, I want to us yeah. to all talk about this movie. Like you can like from any era. It can be new. It can be old. Yeah, yeah reach you out can to us. Seen it. Let us know. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You you and the audience, and also you guys on the show. Like if it's just like Glenn wants to talk about Hamlet, we can do it. Glenn does not want to talk about Hamlet. <laughs> it was a terrible For four example. hours of my life. No, it's okay. It's The Lion King, but better. Uh. Though The Lion King is more interesting than the Kenneth Branagh version of Hamlet, if that's what we're talking about. Any other film uh, adaptation of Hamlet I could think of, barring, no, including the Le- Olivier version. Yeah, that's true. And I'm not including the new Lion King, the, the which Lion I'm not King, particularly yeah, excited the, for. The Lion King has a better soundtrack. Yeah, that has a trailer too that also oh, looks a bad week for Disney trailers in my view. It's, God, it's, it's, it's like it's somehow less inspiring. I, I counted. And more I, uninspired. I, 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 fun fact, there, there are 51 Rise shots. of the Skywalker. I counted. Just saying it. There are 51 shots in that trailer. 37 of them are exactly, at least, are exactly lifted but from the original movie. But always worse. Like, yeah. if, it, you sh- he, if you're going to go all the way with this art, this art style, you should cut to go for a more documentary, realism-inspired camera angle take or just something different. Because the way that they've shot it now, it feels like the shots just don't do anything anymore. Like, uh, um, How you know, can the, they make Aladdin the, and The Lion King worse like, than they actually the, the Aladdin animals looks are so bad. The animals oh are too, my but God. the animals He's... in The Lion King are too realistic for them to emote as expressively as this story demands. So they cut to a shot of a yeah. lion and it's just a lion doing a blank animal face. Whereas yeah. in the cartoon it would be like sexy eyes Nala or so, or like can Simba's make... being dashing and like romantic or and something. You can, and make... can you like think about how awkward can you feel the love tonight is going to be with this art style? 
It's just going to be like you have a mating dance. I'd rather watch two animals are having sex. Richard Attenborough's documentary around like you know this is life, this is the planet or something. Yeah, I spent a lot of time around lions. They're usually just pretty mellow. Most yeah, of the time, they're pretty chill. Like, I, I gotta yeah. tell you, yeah, yeah. I, 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 I'm, Wait, I'm not. You've spent right. a lot of time around lions. Like, what? What is your secret I, life? I, I grew don't up know in about. Southern Africa. What? But the, what? There's a movie about it, lion. Such you know, a, such a bad man. stereotype. You just no. like you grew around lions. What no, yeah, no, you know, no, no, I, I just watched lion, the movie Lion a lot. Kind of. That's a lion. That's a lion. I watched the movie Lion a lot for us. That's 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 what happened. Have you guys ever seen Raw? Have you guys uh, ever seen Raw? No. Oh, God. I, I'm going to have to look up some the, of the people in it. It's like famous people I should be able to remember off the top of my head, but I can't. But basically, they live. it was like... Um, hold on, just a moment. Okay. Googling is happening in the background. It's, it's a movie... It's like people living in a house with lions. Oh! And it's Tippi oh, Hedren ah, and Noel Marshall. And Noel Marshall right. was the director. Right. So it's just Tippi Hedren like, screaming... It's just people genuinely being terrified of lions. Um, oh, it's most of the movie. To be Hedron, to be Hedron, she is. Yeah. she was so good in Marnie and, and the Birds, and she is the grand. She's the mother of Millie Griffith, but, and the grandmother of um, Dakota Johnson. The Fun story facts. behind the making of this movie was nuts, though. It was that they were genuinely living with lions and filming it. Right, and turning into and making a horror movie, which was actually just them like running around the kitchen with the lions that they'd invited <laughs> into their house. Yeah, like you, you, you go to uh, oh, parks wow. in Africa, that happens. Yeah, yeah. so that is. Con Air. It is on your. It'll be your eight thirty one night in the next few weeks, surely on one of the main stations. Hopefully, the next, the next one we're talking about, however, is the appropriately named, the brilliantly named, the superbly named Face Off, starring John Travolta, or is it, and and Nicholas Cage as Sean Archer and Cast the Troy, or are they? I'm not sure. And Alessandra Nivola from Disobedience as Pollux Troy. Oh, yes. Yes. Oh, yes. Yeah, I know, right? Oh, my God. Much more dignified role in this film. It just hit me, yeah. And he was in I'm You're Never Really Here as the governor. Yeah. Or the political candidate. So he's had a good run lately. Wow. Yeah. Very diverse. No, I didn't, didn't, it didn't connect with me until you just pointed out. I'm like, yeah, of course he's the same person. So this is uh, about a uh, terrorist who um, (laughs) decides to explode things in a building and assault a a member of a choir in the opening scene. The scene at the beginning where... Nicholas Cage grabs the girl's butt and then the camera cranes in on his face it's while he's awful. like singing to God doing this like oh, face with his eyes <laughs> popping out of his head is it's just it's so bad that it's beautiful <laughs> it's just like it, it's that, even worse than the scene where he like he does the head roll as he comes out dressed as the priest and starts like oh, yeah. just rocking there's another great scene in that this actual movie I'm going to say has the best Nick Cage of all three of these movies by that far because oh, I think is, John Woo John Woo knew to how to unleash him like the scenes we're talking <laughs> about another great one unleash doves no another great one <laughs> I mean back to back face off and then Mission Impossible 2 the yeah, best no, combo. no. The best one Mission Impossible Two is still a like using the movie. because of the way he fetishizes and uses his his cast. Like the best parts of of Mission Impossible Two are the parts where uh, Tom Cruise is flicking his hair around. <laughs> yeah, but anyway, the only good parts <laughs> yeah. that and no, you are uh, not Dimitri. And, and also, <laughs> Sandy Newton being just Sandy Newton, which is just it, it's 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 okay, she's great in it, and the free climbing bit at the beginning was. Pretty good. Okay. Uh, even though that's not how you free solo. Face off. <laughs> free solo. In cinemas right now, I think, right? Uh, yes, it is. Okay. okay. I heard it's a much better film than Mission Impossible 2. Another, another great Nick Cage bit in Face Off, because there's it's just an endless wealth of them, is um, when he shoot as the bad guy, cast a Troy at the beginning, when he shoots one of the FBI agents. Yeah. One of yours, Sean? Yeah. And then John Travolta's Sean is like, no. And then Nick Cage just does this like, 
<laughs> like shrugging kind of fa- hilarious. It's just hilarious. This is, this is followed by, say this was immediately preceded by these lines that have some of classics. I could eat a peach for hours and um, let's go, let's go. I'm bored. Let's go. Oh my God. I want to take God. his face off. <laughs> oh. That was the only good sequence where he was Sean Archer. So he was playing Cast the Troy. Yeah. No, so, but, John Travol- Sean but there's some sorry. prime John no. Travolta ah, in the second half no, no. of this movie. Like but John Travolta I've... is not as good an actor as Nick Cage, so he's just creepy the, as hell. The, but uh, it works. The only good bits are when someone is playing Cast the Troy rather than Sean. Okay, the only Sean John Travolta is interesting in, this, in the latter act. Nicolas Cage is great in the first act. Yeah. No, no, but also this, yeah. this amazing scene when. Nicholas Cage wakes up and realizes he has no face. Yeah. <laughs> Bravo. <laughs> Bra fucking bro. I want my I, okay, we, yeah. I want my face back. And there's that great shot in the reflection where yeah. he's just blood. And it's like and there's like these like moment cutaways where it's just blood. <laughs> and when you like, no, what am I where's my face? Oh my god, who has done this? I thought I was dead. Why would someone take my face? Who would do this to we me? Oh my god. We haven't Lovely. spoken. Like, he literally has no oh. face. Oh, this... I, was, I lost it. At I was the, the whole we, we haven't even spoken about the brilliance of the concept of this movie. I mean, did they change, in order the, to... change the rest of their bodies too? Yeah. In order to do just some basic thing of like, let's f- ask this guy this question, you know, uh, inf- we've got to infiltrate a prison with you, with your face swapped with the bad guy. Okay, sure. But what, what's interesting about this movie, I heard that the, the script, as it was written before John Woo came on as director, was set quite a bit in the future and John Woo was like no I want to maintain I want Nick Cage John Woo was like I want to set it now but don't change anything so, so, so which, which makes the futuristic prison with the boots make sense that's right that's like totally something out of like a Judge Dredd where um, no one knows this prison what yeah. do you mean no one knows this prison for some reason, all these prisoners gone yeah for some reason in this present day world they suddenly go to like Judge Dredd you know, for the, the <laughs> on an oil carrier <laughs> yeah. in the middle of the ocean. As, Sorry, but guys, yeah, I'm, I'm actually losing it because I can't stop laughing. But then there's <laughs> the the machine <laughs> to swap faces and, and, and everything about it. They, they change their body. Who fat would even and agree to it? And the way they that at the beginning he's like, "I can't do this. This is insane." And they're yes, just like, "Yes, it is. It is." And they're just like, "You gotta do it for the police department. Your <laughs> job, Mister Brew." It's 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 yeah. the it's the just, last uh, thing, I and you can't tell your wife that you're literally. Yeah, you know, take all everything about you away and turn you into like but, the guy like, who killed your son. It's a premise that only oh, no, exists. It doesn't start like that. It starts with the bloody carriage, the bloody carousel sequence. Like, like the whole idea. I find, of the... it, I find it fascinating how everyone else in this movie is just very blasé about this. Just but the like, whole oh, idea. Yeah, you're gonna do it, and it's like, oh, okay. Of course, like the whole why idea. Are you so horrified about this. Yeah, it's so cool. The whole idea of the face switch is a situation that only exists so it can go wrong as part of a movie plot. Like outside of that context of oh, so that's why they're doing it. It doesn't make any sense. It's like it was. It's only. It's only there to create a turn your brain off movie plot. It's 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 so dumb. I I, I accept it could have been less dumb if it had happened in the future it's and it was funny, some campy sort of movie. I, 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 it's funny how when they introduce that tech, it's at the beginning. It's like some Jurassic Park. Like look at how wonderful this technology is. We can swap faces. But also, and, and, like, and sh- literal face. Like, it's not yeah. even, like, recreating someone else's yeah. face. Yeah. Like, not, not his face, but the real thing. It's, it's said so matter-of-factly, and it's the graphics they used to describe this are so early 90s. <laughs> I'm, I'm it's like, like this bad, if we like, remade this movie tech. now with performance capture so that we could have a real life, what it would look like if Nicolas Cage's face was stretched over John Travolta's head. 
Oh my so God. everyone's walking around with like weird like no no they just like have stretched them Botox each other. faces or like lumpier like a lumpier Nick no, Cage no, no, somebody somebody tighter somebody's John done Travolta. that somebody has animatedly face swapped uh, Nicolas Cage onto John Travolta and now they just look more like Nicolas Cage because every you just put anyone's face Nicholas, onto Nicolas Cage's face and just look more like Nicolas the, Cage. The, the, the Nicolas Cage is, is it Nicolas Cage's face on. Oh my god! The doubling of Nicolas Cage with John Travolta is so brilliant because who is as weird and non-human as Nicolas Cage? Oh yeah, the other big guy in these Hollywood action movies, you know, John Travolta. But also, like, like, there's such a weird combo. But it's just like, of course, Nicolas Cage would act like John Travolta when. But (laughs) I I love it in the sense how John Travolta's (laughs) voice and his accent is this sort of very creepy, whispery voice that he has. Yeah, it's like looking in a mirror, only not. (laughs) (laughs) I know, like he's tried so hard to be like, how do I like, you know act creepy he doesn't need to he just is creepy oh God. in this movie and, and you know what there's that awful scene at the beginning where they confront each other for the first time and Nicolas Cage oh, has yeah. two guns and Sean Archer has one gun and they decide to like switch because it's yeah. more comfortable it's like no no that would have but they sell that moment and it's like now look at us but I don't care if I live or die but, and then he's flying not? back in <laughs> his aircraft hangar oh no no the best bit was when he shoots the chain and he goes flying up through the yeah. hangar here's what's great oh, about God. John Woo and okay what sets this movie apart I'm not going to say it's smarter than than the other movies because it's, it's definitely not, it's, dumb. It's definitely dumb. But it's, maybe it's, it says something about a person what type of dumb they prefer. And I find this kind of dumb to be more interesting than Face Off or Connor because... Wait, you mean The Rock and Connor? Oh yeah, than the, the Rock and Connor. Sorry. Sorry, John Woo. Because I think John Woo realises... No, okay. He's self-aware about He knows dumbness. it... Not completely. I think he knows it's dumb... But he also, on some level, in a way that, you know, Simon West or Michael Bay don't, genuinely gets emotionally invested in his characters. So he's directed this movie, which is basically like an action thriller, but he's representing these characters like they represent the embodiment of good and evil. Like he feel he seems to be give, trying to give it this serious poetic heft with like the the divine doves flying out. I know oh, yeah, he the, always the, does the doves. The symbolism is like you know, so on the nose and, throughout this. And the, it's it's so like it's the devil and Jesus, you know, and it, it's like oh, actually, no, the worst Jesus pose was in the rock, but the Jesus sequence in the in the at the funeral, the end of Facebook is Facebook. so Facebook, sorry, face off <laughs> is pretty bad. But do you know what I mean? Like like John, the other directors aren't sincere enough to try and pull off the somewhere over the rainbow bit and face off where that it's was like, bad. That, 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 it was, was bad. It was bad, but it was kind but it was like interesting. Like it yeah, jarred it me a bit. Like that I was is. like, this is cringe, like, but it undermined okay. what could have been an interesting action okay. sequence. That whole action scene actually is fantastic. It, it's nah, like no nah. it, it's it's the most boring one it's just the kind of people coming and shooting each other there's no spatial awareness in the sequence no, unlike every other point. sequence in the Why film to be fair Face Off has amazing facial awareness in general just spatial awareness spatial awareness <laughs> oh, facial, yes it does have facial awareness Face Off does have very <laughs> strong facial awareness Face Off does have <laughs> great <laughs> spatial awareness in the action scenes I agree that the Somewhere Over the Rainbow bit is less so but I think he was going for an effect in that, Facial where it was meant to be like this subjective thing viewed through the eye of the little girl. That kind of thing to little me, boy. Intru- little boy, little boy, because <laughs> it was the son. That was the whole thing. It was because they both ago. had sons, and that was the whole thing. And and Castor Troy killed the son, and now he's and at the oh, yeah, end the where the son comes in, and it's like we can adopt him. Okay, like what? Yeah, this is what the, like, it's the, the part but of like, the film just gets I love un- that unnecessarily dumb. dumb. Like the movie, he genuinely wants you to invest in it as kind of like a, dr- a character piece in a soap opera. And the middle of the film is like, 
you know, ooh, what what damage is John Travolta going to do to Nicolas Cage's perfect little life? Like it it is soap opera. Yeah. You know, but like the other like, movies like, would not go that. Like just, John just, Woo is not afraid to get like sappy, like yeah. the dumb kinds of emotional, instead of just like ironically like hero like, saves the day action movie. It's, like, it's, face, it's, it's, it's like the, the rock the kind of characters, right? Sean Archer, Cast Cast Troy, Troy. Troy. Like, but, 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 what, what the kind of like dumb Sydney Sheldon book name Pol- Pollux Troy. Oh, 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 Troy all right on the matter <laughs> so of it being a soap <laughs> opera and investing emotionally in the characters the most awful aspect of how he does this is how he characterizes Sean Archer's daughter who goes like it through a breakfast club like transformation throughout the film all it's those scenes so of bad Travolta it's so bad like, hey how's it cracking honey it's yeah like, oh, daddy's got a bad new good new groove ow like no <laughs> I, I, I don't want to watch this this is so but it, look I like the dumb in this film but at least what made it interesting was that when he became Sean Archer, cast Troy, everything he did made sense up until he became acting director of the Bureau. And then when the shootout happens in the church, he should have just held his ground. Why go on the run? You've got the high ground. So there You've can the be a chase scene, so there can be an explosion. So they can kill a bunch of cops on a boat. Yeah. Okay, Speaking of unnecessary and casualties, yeah, this has the most of all his creature sequences where a boat goes through another boat, and then, then only then... Does the boat explode once the boat is gone? Not when the boat's in the middle of the boat when it should have exploded, but they wait until after for everything to just explode. I just like the way it's handled better than in Michael Bay movies. Like, and in John Woo movies, I think it's at least if like other people are dying, he at least does like a token, like, oh, it's bad that the people die. Yeah, like shut. I mean, I, in I Michael just, Bay, it's like, oh, whatever. But also, I, I love the commitment to sappiness. Like, it, yeah, me very, too. Very committed to. Like, the don't get me wrong. Drama. A lot of this, I think, is like very bad, but it's oh, like yeah, it's it, interesting. It's, it's bad. It's interesting. It's bad. But like. So are all these other movies are also bad, but the fact yeah. is the directors don't care about it. I think John Woo actually cares about John Woo the thinks fact this is about committed to g- his God and the drama. Devil. Yeah, and he's trying. To, he thinks he's mounting a great big soap opera, but he's he, mounting an absurd soap opera with two of the most inhuman actors in Hollywood. But the fact <laughs> is, like, I still remember this movie. Both, and it's I like it's about the, two aliens. Let's I, be honest. I remember the absurd conceit of this movie, and I still feel like. When I rewatched it like last night, I still bought it. Except which is part of the thing. Like, of course you can't take a face off. But the fact is You I- can't take a face <laughs> off. You can't talk about someone being invested in characters when someone like Gina Gershon gets so short changed in the short in the course of this film. She's in it for so long and suddenly we're supposed to have this major emotional investment when the scene sequence of the church happens. Oh my god. And the what's her name? She played uh Pamela Landy in the Bourne trilogy and Reba in uh, Red Dragon. Um uh Sean Ar- the uh Sean Archer miss uh, uh she worked in the hospital. Um we don't spend nearly enough time with her yeah, character yeah. either. It, it, it's mostly the yeah the actual offsprings Kids, sorry, you shouldn't call them offsprings because that's just the younglings. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Speaking of emotional manipulation, the opening sequence of the carousel where he's laughing and there are kids with <laughs> ice cream and say, balloons. I love that this movie opens with a kid being shot on a merry-go-round with a sniper rifle. Like just the just the absurdity. Like I'm laughing at this movie because I'm a horrible person within the th- first thirty seconds because. First, I'm seeing like mommy and like kids, you know, the merry-go-round, and there's ice creams and stuff. And then suddenly, you know, you expect that if there's a danger in this, it might be like here's the child kidnapper. But no, what you really have to be afraid of is that on the hill, there's a dude in full military <laughs> tactical gear with a sniper rifle, with, with, shot with, with a, a soda Timmy. and a weird mustache. Yeah, <laughs> just as soon as the, the absurdity and like the lack of John Woo, I think being aware of how ridiculous that scene is. 
like I don't know. It, it touches me somehow. That it, it touches me. Uh, somehow. Wow. No, and I I hate the <laughs> jump forward six years later. Nah, that, that's that se- that sequence is in jail, and it was so stylistic. It's so bad. Well, nothing the, nothing okay. in this movie gels. But, but there's, there's no okay. every sequence is stylistically different. The the boat chase is from a James Bond movie. The opening sequence is from a press is is, is trying to be prestige. Um, which is so dumb. <laughs> um, the um, escape look, sequence from the prison is out of Judge Dredd. Um, I know. Look, it's and it's and, not and the over the rainbow? Oh my god! No, that belongs in a cheap, low-budget terror movie. But, John, but, but, Wu, you are better but, than this. No, no, he is not. better than he's the not. over the rainbow bed. No, no, but, but, but like, I, I, I admire the attempt. But also, like, the thing is, part of what that's this, so what weird. This, I love about this emotionally, movie is that, it's weird. It's got the Hong Kong sensibility transposed yes. over American '90s action movie. Nothing, nothing in this movie makes sense. But that's why it makes sense. If I can make any sense right now, is that you know there is. A kind of freewheeling kind of chaos to it, which is actually the embodiment of the narrative. But The Rock like, did that you know, so much better with the, them like pounding through the cells of this of Alcatraz. But no, The no, Rock but never actually, takes itself seriously as far as like trying to make you care, whereas Face Off yeah. is almost like too earnestly doing that, and it's fascinating. Yeah. And, but also, like, it's, I, it's, I think it worked in Armageddon, not Face Off. And its earnestness to actually make you care, it just comes across as even more cheesy, yeah. which is what makes it more memorable. Because, like, I just, I just like how, like, it's a guilty pleasure. Like, if it's I want to open such a guilty pleasure. If I can open my fridge and like at twelve a.m. at night, you want to like crack open a bottle of Face, face. Off. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, pretty much. You know, and it's, it's just fun. It's something that I can watch without having to like grapple with real life issues of morality and homophobia and casual sexism and stuff like that in Michael Bay movies like this movie there's plenty so... of casual sexism in this movie I know but it is played so over the top and he's clearly set out the lines of who's good and who's evil that you already know like... I like that this is the only one of the three movies we reviewed that isn't just constantly kissing the ass of the military that is true as well or even the police department um, yeah. well the FBI feature Pretty heavily in face Yeah, but more is just like a plot mechanism other than like, look at our glorious FBI. In fact, they're the ones who suggest all the dumb things. Like, you know, oh, why not you go through this place transplant? Like, oh, okay, cool. <laughs> they're, they're suggesting <laughs> You just know that there was some doctor who's done a deal behind the scenes. Like, I'll pay you such and such if you give me a volunteer. You know, we really need someone for this department. They're like, may as well test it on, on highly decorated officer Nicolas Cage. Sean Archer, Archer, who is who? I don't know. But also, like, I I just found a genius casting in the sense that John Travolta, who is practically emotionless in every other movie except Pulp Fiction and Saturday Night Fever. Um, What's the one where he develops supernatural abilities? uh, uh, That where, like, from the early nineties. He's had a few decent movies. Speaking uh, of, I, I would think Grease, uh, Pulp Fiction, and Saturday Night Fever. Okay, this is a bit of a loop. Carry a loop back around in the conversation. But speaking of f- f- phenomenal phenomena. Speaking of Pulp Fiction, phenomenon. phenomenon. Sorry. Yes. Yeah. Speaking of Pulp Fiction, Michael was in. John Travolta was in Michael. I just pair yes. Michael and Phenomenon together. Yes, as those, like, that's of those right, like yeah. '90s supernatural. <laughs> I'm the supernatural. Like I'm going to tell you everything's okay and your loved ones are out there. John yeah, Travolta Michael, movies. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, but speaking of Pulp Fiction, it's funny how um, Michael Bay's decided. Like, you know what would really it back going back to the rock. You know what would really make this bomb disposal scene more exciting if we crossed it with the the bit where she's ODing in Pulp Fiction and they've got to stab a needle into their hearts. 
Like I can just see the like oh, this plus this equals. You know, for and some reason, the it's final like, sequence where he has to stab the thing. Yeah, and also the preview of it early in the movie where the doll is spraying the thing and it's like stab yourself in the heart. He's like, I can't that's, do that. That's right. It's like, yeah. you, like yeah, yeah. what? It's just there because of like that worked in Pulp Fiction. But that's actually what you do when someone's ODing. What would you need to stab yourself in the heart with because of a thing that can melt your skin that could possibly save you? That's your problem with the, not the pearl configuration, <laughs> not the not, not the. This is the plan we're going to do. Sitting these marines of Sean Connery, who we can't really trust. That's your problem. The the stabbing in the heart bit, the opening sequence with the uh, you know uh, with the gaseous little toy baby. That wasn't the problem. It, it was this. Let's face it. It's all Let's the face problem. Off. Yeah. Let's have a face off. Face <laughs> off. I want to take his face and put it on me. Face off has prime Nick Cage and prime John Travolta. Quit playing games with my heart. Uh, but with my except heart. it only has prime Nick Cage for the first act of the movie. Until, Even still, he gives you and like the, goes the, into a the highlights that the, you know that the actual face off scene. <laughs> but yeah, the, the <laughs> gunfights in this movie are the best of the action scenes. In all but three also like how everyone is about. going stylized. Um, I think it's better nobody, than the rock. Nobody's shooting straight. Everybody's like going sideways. Like completely. Yeah. No one fires guns like that. No one has <laughs> ever fired a gun <laughs> like that. So beautiful. Like nobody's trying to shoot. Like I think he's going to shoot straight. Right. Everyone is going like sideways and be like, you know, <laughs> kind of posy things. Yeah. Like, ah, ooh, ah. yeah, yeah, yeah. Gun fu. Yeah. Gun- no, this is not gun fu. <laughs> Thank you very much. God, John Wick 3 is coming out soon. Oh my God. So- that's, that's my most anticipated movie of the year. Remember so- Equilibrium? Gun Carter. <laughs> that was. That was oh, fun. <laughs> I liked that movie. And where they burned the Mona Lisa. And that amazing yeah. sequence in the hallway. This is the time when everything had to be the Matrix. Well, yeah. yeah. And this is Parabellum, right? So it is kind of like assonance there, equilibrium, Parabellum. Maybe. Well, they're, they're different things. Equilibrium is about establishing, you know, um, an equal state. Parabellum means prepare for war. I mean, they just sound similar. That's what I'm saying. I'm excited for Parabellum. Oh, my God. So that is face-off. What's Parabellum? Uh, it means prepare for war. John Wick 3, Parabellum. Oh, okay, right. Uh, so that so yeah, that's I hope how that John Wick three ends with him becoming like the mecha John Wick, where he like teams up with all the other John Wicks around the world, and the, the robot shoots all the bad assassins. Not it's, no, it's, it's just going to be reworking no, no, of. He's going um, to team up with all the dogs in the world. It, oh it, yeah, it's going to be, be a dog army. It, it's going to be the beginning of um, dog Wick. What's the second <laughs> chapter in John... uh, the Divine Comedy? Uh, it's because it's Wolf. Paradise is the third one, and then it's. Inferno, but the middle wolf, one is uh, a. <laughs> yeah. It's it's going to be the wolf, end wolf. of the second chance, beginning of the third of Paradise. Ron Rook. Yeah. <laughs> Ruby Dooby Doo. He just becomes a. He becomes Scooby Doo. <laughs> at the end, Please he's no. a crossover. Please no. And his dog becomes Shaggy. <laughs> no, his dog. Sorry, his dog becomes Scrappy Doo. Scrappy Doo. Oh. And uh, uh, Ian McShane becomes Shaggy. Can I go to Scrappy Snake? Is Ian McShane? He is in John Wick, isn't he? Who? who? Ian McShane? Yeah, he's the yeah, yeah, yeah. he's the main guy. He's like, what have you done, John Wick? Yeah, uh, he can I become Shaggy. Isn't he in and Hellboy? He goes, yeah, um, he is, yeah. Oh, help, yeah, the, the, man! What yeah. happened there? It looks Gosh. so terrible. But it's such a bad idea to reboot Hellboy. The only reason people would be interested in another one is because of Yemo del Toro. He's just not that famous a superhero. I've heard the Hellboy comic is fantastic, but it it appeals to aficionados. It's not a popular brand name. Except because of the Del Toro movies. Like, people aren't out to see another version of Hellboy. They just think, isn't that the character from that movie 10 years ago? Yeah, it was I, a bad I'm, idea. I'm not excited. It just I, makes it, people it's like think. It's like CJ Hellscape, who cares? It's like, it, makes, it just makes prob- you know, people think, okay, remake of a thing I've, you know. I, I didn't even know it was out this week. I've already seen recently. 
it just kind of like took me by surprise. Apparently, it's really bad. Yeah, I've heard. I've heard. Yeah. Well, speaking of really bad movies, um, does anyone have any Nicolas Cage favorites that they would? Well, adaptation, which is really good. Um, Raising yeah. Arizona would be one. Of Raising them. Arizona is really Matchstick Men, really underrated. You know, I've never seen it. It's okay. If you, we want to watch that with um, Benjamin Malkovich. It's a good con. It didn't come out in '99 though. Thriller. We can do. No, we can do. Being John Malkovich rolled in with some other '99 movies. Um, American Pie came out later in but the year. But if you just oh want to say God, challenge actually, me, it would be interesting to revisit American Pie actually now that. I'm yeah. Sure. If you want to challenge me to just watch um, Matchstick Men, though, we can do that. I I I really like this one of my probably top five Nicholas Cage like, films. Do you like Magic Men? Yeah. Would but, you be up for talking about it on the show? Would you yeah. up for a movie where we talk about three random movies anyone can watch? Actually, you know, like, has anyone seen Wind Talkers? Uh, John Woo, Nicholas no. Cage, John Travolta. No, it's, it's Nicholas Cage. Nicholas Cage. No, it's, I it's haven't seen it. It's the one where um, it's a World War Two thriller where they use um, members of the Navajo community to. Yeah. Um, I heard send the direct- a code. Right. Uh, the language is used as a code no. to translate information. I heard information. the director's cut was way better, like on the DVD. I only ever saw it on. I, I think I still have it on VHS in my cupboard. Right. Okay. I heard it was actually significantly improved. V- VHS for those guys who are listening is. Yeah. What is it? What's the full form of VHS? Uh, it stands for video or something v- video home service o- o- maybe yeah probably yeah that's that's probably it yeah home service. oh god we don't know uh, correct um, should, should we look it up it's like we that bit in the it crowd where it's like jen what does it stand for oh dear information <laughs> technology yeah. yeah well we know that bit of know. oh yeah yeah of course yeah. jen this is dumb, the dumb, internet dumb. <laughs> <laughs> i love that episode so good. Um, oh my god i broke the internet <laughs> no she broke oh my god it's all gonna stop um and we're just lending it to you jen and <laughs> knowing that everyone seen Knowing back in the day, oh, yeah. Ter- oh, terrible yeah. movie. Ten, yeah. uh, next was but terrible. Yeah, we, we can pick another actor like Nick Cage. Is we can have a Cage ton. We can pick another actor. But what it. other actor has such a weird? No, Nicholas Cage. Like I was saying at the beginning, he's in this weird place because of his meme status. Should we revisit yeah. Peter Sellers in the original Pink Panther movies? Those aren't good. Those are terrible. But that's why. Like they're, yeah, doing... they're pretty bad. They're pretty yeah, bad. No, that's, that's he, the only good movies. Okay, Peter Sellers. He made the Pink Panther Doctor series. Doctor Strange Love. Uh, Doctor Strange Love, yes. The leader was not a good film. His performance was frustrating. Um, a lot of comedy like that is very hard to watch and, still. Oh, so The very Party, very bad movie. The Party is so goddamn racist and sexist. I know, that's why I want to watch it again. I want to, I want to take that I'm apart. down with racism and sexism. <laughs> I mean, the, Never the, think the basic that Durant is the... an ally, okay? He's, he's here for the racism and sexism. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, the premise of The Party in <laughs> itself is okay, but then, oh, there's, the execution is so bad. Birdie Num Nums. Okay, the, the best... Oh, God. Oh dear. Okay, my favorite contribution of Peter Sellers the comedy is that the producers would not have probably not have been seen if he had not seen it accidentally and said there's one of the best if not the best comedy I've seen. Really? It should be out there. What well, fortunately, was, oh no, you tell the story then I'll get to add my dumb little addendum at the end. So Peter Sellers had a uh, group of friends who would watch a movie with every week. And it was at this time that Mel Brooks had made the producers, but no one was interested in picking it up. I thought it was, what is this strange movie? It's probably too outrageous. And then he saw it and thought this is one of the best comedies I've ever seen. Who made this? Which one? The producers. Okay. And um, got got people talking about it and got it out there. So that could have really kicked... That kick-started Mel Brooks, Gene Wilder, um, the big screen. So it was here and I still had a, quite a substantive theatre and stage and screen career before that, but still. Uh, it's probably what he's, aside from um, playing Tevye, it's probably what he's most associated with today. But we also need to thank Mel Brooks for paying it forward 
and bringing you the career of Film Fight Club favorite David Lynch when he no. he assisted David Lynch and, and scored him the role directing The Elephant Man and he pushed no. for it above all the other producers. Yeah. Wow. Wow. Okay. <laughs> so we, we've come full circle. We have a cat, you know name dropping of David Lynch. Our yep. pa- oh. I had to do it to make it a real Film Fight Club episode. Patron, oh patron saint of cinephiles. I, I, I've committed to this week. Sydney Film Festival announced their first all nighter, which includes a razor head, and I haven't seen it at Dendi Newtown on the ninth. So. It's good movie. I, I'm, I'd be down for that if you guys are keen. Actually, let's what just, else is on in the Nighter? Um, it's a John. What's the guy? He he was the John Sales. John Waters. John Waters. John Waters film. Yeah. Yeah, John Waters. Is a John Waters film. Um, there's the Malcolm McDowell film from the seventies. There's a new film from the Duke of Burgundy director, which Peter is, Strickland. Yes. Yeah. Strickland, yeah. He's very hit and miss. I find. In, in Fabric. I've heard uh, In Fabric's really good. Yeah. But his movies have never completely. I, I, I like Duke of Burgundy. So I'm I do too. Yeah. Did you guys see Barbarian Sound Studio? No, that was pretty good, so, but yeah. it's all it's all just kind of like but actually, too much. But actually, yeah, from, the, from the first twenty five kind of announcements, nothing not that was that exciting, exciting. Uh, except High Life. Oh yeah, of course, yeah. High Life, yeah, but, like, which, which already played in Melbourne. Every, everyone's already seen it except us, I guess. Well, people who live in Sydney haven't seen it, and no, yeah. but, like, who live outside of in Melbourne have not seen it. For I that. think That's they got it, put no, it at no, the Allianz Francaise Film Festival in Melbourne because probably the Blu-ray will be out by the time because it's opening in US cinemas now in April, so probably the Blu-ray will be out between Sydney Film Fest and Melbourne and they know, okay, last chance to make money is at, at the Allianz Francaise Film Festival. But here, you know, we'll get it at, at Sydney Film Festival in the State Theatre like 30 days before the Blu-ray torrents go online. Not saying <laughs> not you should download days. them, which we don't. Which we don't. But I know that a lot of people I, do I, I, I and distributors have to keep up. You know, you've got to get your movies out quickly Actually, these this, days. This a lot of people a, are okay I, to, with I pirating. we get Begun's uh, Long Day's Journey in tonight because that has the longest... Day's journey into tonight. nights of all time. Yeah. One of yeah. the longest days journey <laughs> into life. night of all time. So yeah, um, any more? I hope we get that. Actually, yeah. Uh, when is it? May eighth, which is uh, the announcement. Need, okay, which is thankfully for once is not the same day as Eurovision. Thank you, and and also not the same day as federal budget. Because it was already announced. Oh, yeah, yeah last year. Yeah. Yeah. That was hell for me. Anyway, that's just a personal story. <laughs> we recorded our reaction to the to the program announcement for the Sydney Film Festival right after Virat had done an all-nighter. Yes. <laughs> and, as had Glenn I, I, for I, Eurovision. I was, I was, uh, Priorities, please. I was yeah. assisted by Chris uh, through some uh, other very helpful things. Red yes. Bull. So thank you. Yes. Red Bull. And we also, Bull. We, we also watched Eurovision that morning. I arrived at Glenn's place at like 4.30 a.m., yeah, that was that was fun. <laughs> it was um, good. To, it was it, those were the good good old days. Yeah, well, we can do it again. Yeah, <laughs> like, yeah. good old days. Like you Richard's like next week. Good old days is now. <laughs> good old days is now. Yeah, and I'm 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 taking in the week for Sydney Film Fest off, so it'll be great. Sweet. Uh, so I'm going to take a week <laughs> off. <laughs> it's a week off. Are you going to do the first week or the second week off? Uh, the second week. Yeah. Yeah. The, the weekend of the second week is yeah. going to have. Also, um. The, yeah, the week after, you've got to have your nights free because you know how they do those second run, oh, second yeah. chance. Yeah, yeah but I'm oh, man, it's film festival the... period. Yeah, it's fun. Because yeah. I'm not going to um, get, Spanish get to Spanish just started last night. Yeah, um, there's quite. A we few... were shamefully I... we didn't cover the Alliance Francaise Film Festival at all. But I mm. didn't. I didn't watch any Alliance Francaise Film Festival films, which is a shame because there are a lot of great ones. Yeah. I think. That, yeah, um, I can tell you, I, um, the yeah. night that eats the world. Do you really like it? Really, really movie? good. It's a procedural zombie movie. It's quite a low. Denise Levant's in it, isn't he? I love uh, that guy. 
And it's the I think it's the most effective use of a title card I've ever seen because the title card, which takes happens like five minutes of the film, is basically like here's what happened when we didn't have the budget to film this, and now we're just going to leave you with the fallout of what would happen if one person was the only person who was around and had to deal with a yeah. post zombie apocalypse. I, I, you know, it was a great title card. Yeah. You were never really here. The way yes. that came up. I don't remember that. It was like a song in the background, Actually, and yeah. as the so- words should... were being sung, the, each word would appear. And and you could, in the oh, background yeah. you could Talk- see Joaquin Phoenix is you know in the like talking about worried uh, in the talking oh, about Joaquin Phoenix should we talk about the Joker trailer as well? Um, we can, but I just want to touch while we if we are going to touch on Aliana Francais, um, the one of the oh, film I called The Wild Boys, oh, which yeah. also screened at um, this the I think at the Underground Film Festival and and the Brisbane International Film Festival. Uh, there's great visual motifs. Great visual language, uh, beautiful use of staging and set and color. I would, however, say that the um, what the, the messages the tri- film was trying to convey are very intermixed, and I think uh, within the context of some quite outland, uh, 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 really creative visual styles cinematography, I think a little is a little difficult to convey. I think it's a little more. Uh, well, I appreciate maybe I just didn't get it. I felt it was a film that was very confused and incredibly confusing in terms of the plot and the scalable story it was trying to tell. Having said that, purely as in a, looking at films as a visual medium, um, I enjoyed it. I, I got to see some as well. I got to see uh, By the Grace of God, the new uh, Ozone film, which was very interesting uh, in take on uh, uh, sexual abuse in the Catholic Church. Better than Spotlight? Uh, yeah, yeah, very, very, very interesting because also it takes a much more personal approach to it rather than a you know far removed kind of investigative approach. So very interesting in that sense. Also, the Oliver Sayers nonfiction, which was you uh, saw it, yeah. How was it? Yeah, really fun. It was re- genuinely funny. Oh wow! It's, it's, it's actually a comedy. So yeah, I'm uh, glad to see him getting back into that yeah, department you, because I found it the last few of his movies a little bit too artsy yeah. fartsy. Very. It, this is still artsy fartsy funny though. I liked Personal Shopper. Yeah, but oh, it's, it still is a bit artsy fartsy. It just right? ended so badly. I don't think that gambit for that ending worked. Yeah, no. I mean, it's a film where it was like Julia, the Pedro Almodovar film. Something needed to happen to ground the Julia, film, make yeah. it interesting. Apparently, and his, it didn't. His new one, which I think is guaranteed to be an SFF. Oh, the Antonio Banderas film. Yeah, I've yeah. heard it's actually really good. I, I have to. But I'll give a tip off to people um, listening. I've heard it's very related to Lore of Desire. So if you haven't seen that one, probably worth watching that before the Sydney Film Festival. Give you some homework. Yeah. I also saw the new Christophe Honoré, uh, sorry, Angel, which is quite emotionally manipulative in good ways and bad. But, uh, I, yeah, I don't. I have yeah, only seen one of his but films, very but hit and I miss. did not connect. Uh, and uh, saw The Fall of the American Empire, the Denis Arcan movie, which is really funny because it has a philosophy PhD protagonist who's basically just randomly quotes philosophers uh, while he's a delivery man and he gets involved in some murky shit. So it's pretty funny. All right. So that's a little coverage of the Alliance French Film Festival. There are a few highlights and encore screenings that are happening for the next couple of days around the country. We recommend Knife and Heart because that kind of... Uh, you really liked it? A standout. I'll try and catch it. So um, back to the topic at hand, do, is any more Nicolas Cage coverage you want to do? I just, how did it happen? How did it happen that like at the top of mainstream entertainment, summer blockbusters, this guy was being presented as a human being? Like, was it was it ironic? Like now we ironically appreciate it, but, but did people just go with it at the time? Like he's not like Bruce Willis, like, oh man, why did it happen to, have to happen on a Friday? He's just like, Ugh. I can't just think about... I can't think about Nicolas Cage without just thinking of like his, like the way he like shrugs off lines of dialogue. Like, couldn't have happened to a better guy. Ah, oh, Nicolas Cage. 
it wasn't his action persona in every. Don't one get me of those. wrong. Certainly, those like this, three. His kind of um, nonsense is a lot of fun to watch. It's just how did it happen? But he's. You look at his later ridiculous stuff. He's playing, you know, authority figures, or he's playing parents, like, or he's playing people who've had responsibility. Seeking justice is the epitome of this. Where he's a regular guy who then has, like, much more like the Bruce Willis characters, who then is forced to the situation because a member of his family are hurt or killed or kidnapped. I, yeah, I, I've always found it jarring because it's like once the genie's been let out of the bottle in terms of the Nicolas Cage madman persona, you can't unsee it. Like, Virat, did you, you were talking about Bollywood um, kind of like expressive um, approaches to acting. And we're talking about Nicolas Cage in terms of that. But do you think that the Western audience was actually self aware? was actually like aware that that's what they were appreciating with Nick Cage or do you think people just went with it? Because I, I, I don't think they were at the time and I don't think I was at the time either. I think right. it's only in hindsight that it is kind of Cause, yeah, it's just weird gathered what, that kind of thing. I was Yeah, it's just weird watching these movies now because it's it's like now we appreciate it as kitsch but did somehow people not realize or was everyone in no, on the no, joke? No, no, I think everyone took it pretty seriously. I think we enjoyed it <laughs> quite non-ironically like, back then. It's now we just go back and be like, oh my God, these are so stupid. You but know when it's I saw a face dumb... Off the first time, yeah, I was really into it as a movie, and I yeah. really, really we were thought kids though, right? That was possible. Yeah, I was a kid. Um, I had an interesting experience. Were where... you a kid, Glenn? Were you? Wow, I I was. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I, I was for right, and I'll, I'll tell you how much of a kid I was. Um, that I w- had the film recorded, but um, on VHR, but I couldn't figure out how to use the VHR proper VHS properly, so I didn't actually recall the end of the film, and the final sequence that was recorded for me was the sequence where he's tying Pollux's shoes as he's fallen through the skylight. <laughs> so I didn't actually see the end of Face Off till years later. Whoa. So okay. I spent years knowing this is the film. And then when I was in my more of my teen years, I went back and I saw the boat chase and all this. So Face Off for me, well, I've seen the end now, Wait. but it's very much the first two acts. So how did, how did it end for you? Sorry, what was the It was the sequence where Pollux Troy dies as he falls through the skylight and then... Um, Sean Archer, so cast the Troy in John Travolta's face is um, tying his shoes. Yeah. And that's when the film cuts. So that was the last of the film I saw for years. Weird ending. Weird ending. So <laughs> I, I, I obviously knew there was more to the film because my VHS just hadn't See, recorded it. That's why you don't enjoy it as much. You no, know, it's I, film. I've seen it multiple times since. No, but the first experience always is the lasting impression. I don't think so. Yeah, I've no, absolutely not. You can renew and change your views on different films. Yeah, you can, we talked like... about it in the context of the Matrix, for instance, last week. I'm um, certainly my view on Conair has evolved. If you asked me 20 years ago, I would have told you Conair was my favorite. Certainly now, I would say it would be The Rock. I think back in the past, it would have been Conair for me as well, but now it's Face Off. Yeah, I so um, yeah, yeah. Has, actually, is anyone? What are the what are the latest ones you did? Uh, we talked about Next, Mandy. Uh, Mandy, Mom and Dad. Did anyone see Mom and Dad? I haven't seen it. No. no. No, um, Season of the Witch was terrible. Wicker Man was just so unbelievably bad. Except it had Lily Sobieski, which I appreciated. But we, we could we could just pick an actor still has and n- actually and just talk about the, yeah. their kind of bad filmography. It would be an interesting concept. There's all, there's also it, we I mean we have, haven't even really done that for directors and we should right. We should Brian De Palma gladly oh, spend dude, an episode on Brian, Brian De, Palma. De Palma retrospective discussion would be so good. Yeah, talk, I just thought Mission Impossible or um, yeah. actually this way. No, I, I talk about Paul. Yeah, Carly this way. Paul Verhoeven. I'd have so much oh, fun talking yeah. about um, oh, uh, what's a uh, Black Book and, and Paul, Total Recall. Paul Verhoeven is really interesting. Black Book is his best film for it. L, I think I, L I've is. Never seen it. Oh, L, it's a masterpiece. But Black Book's really good, but I I prefer L. Um, 
Oh, that, that, that's a great fight because they're both masterpieces in my both, view. Yeah, but I, I would say Black Book is. You the haven't seen L. Oh, no. oh, dude, L is. You like, will blow the, your mind. The, the yeah. Pair one, right? yeah, it's so yeah, good. Yeah. I, I heard it was the last one he made since Black Book. Yeah. Polarizing film. Uh, no, it's so yeah. good. If you're man. a Game of Thrones fan, I guess everyone who's listening probably is. Um, if you want to see Carice Van Houten, who plays Melisandre in oh, her right. best Black role, Book. Black Book. It's yeah. far and above. Yeah. It's for so many reasons. Black just Book is a beyond. Black Book is a great adventure movie. It's just like one thing after another. But we should save this for the Paul Verhoeven episode. Yeah. But Paul Verhoeven, it, 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 it destroys a lot of taboos about how we. Um, about war films, about Paul, uh, female protagonists. Paul it's- Verhoeven is an interesting segue after this discussion because I was just talking about, like, were people in on the joke? And then there's Paul Ho- Verhoeven, who I think is one of the few who definitely was. Oh, yeah, there's, there's no question. He's too just brilliant yeah. and beyond to yeah. not know that Total Recall is an absolute farce. Yeah. Or that, um, what was the other great one he made? Starship Troopers. Oh, the Starship Goddamn Troopers is almost, like, too obviously a satire now. But back in the day, pe- a lot of people didn't know. But it just shows that we have a different. Surely, surely just, people. It just shows that we, I think we have a different conception of what's absurd now, and that maybe that movie was ahead of the time. Doogie Hauser is a Nazi, you know, attacking bugs. Yeah. <laughs> like, sure. I, I would think but that's it's pretty true. Clear if you cut, go back no. and read the reviews from when it came out, a lot of people do not realize there's any comic angle or satirical. And this is why there's been such a pushback against doing a remake with a TV series because yeah, it would just it would not work. No, because the book is actually very right wing leaning. And um, which is why Paul Verhoeven decided to cast them all out all looking like Nazis. Like he yeah. he looked at this book and was like, "Hang on, everyone loves this, but this is just fascism." So that's he basically made the movie into a parody of the book, which a lot of the fans of the book don't like. So I guarantee you, any remake would would not work. No, it would not be as interesting. And it would it wouldn't have Casper Van Houten. It would probably hew closely to the name? book and just be a boring military fantasy. Casper, oh, and. She was in um, Johnny Mnemonic, the yeah. main actress, yeah. Um, has anyone actually, back to Nicolas Cage, has anyone seen USS Indianapolis? No. Oh, God. No. no. I, I need to get remember. it. I want to talk about Bad Lieutenant, but I want to talk about it with more time than just these last few words at the end of a film club. Yeah. We, we have, I, um, want to, I want to really challenge you. On, have you seen it? It's, it's been a while. I need to rewatch. Actually, I, I've, it's I've, a I've, lousy drama. I have the Blu-ray. I didn't, it's a long story about how I ended up getting the Blu-ray. But anyway, the point is that I have it in my possession, and this, it's more interesting than I just bought the Blu-ray because I didn't. But anyway, I will not tell you the story. <laughs> um, yeah, I'll lend it to you. We can do Bad Lieutenant. Yeah, yeah, we, right. we can. We can. We can even have uh, Ian Barr. Or, uh, <laughs> we could do Bad Lieutenant versus Bad Ian Barr. Bad, bad Lieutenant bad. versus Bad Lieutenant. Harvey Keitel versus Nicholas Cage. <laughs> bad movie versus probably better movie. <laughs> okay, so that was our Nicholas Cage discussion. We will be back next week with talking all things. Avengers Endgame uh, spoiler free the biggest movie of the year I reckon ah but man if we're going to talk for the whole episode I want there to be spoilers oh we, no, oh. we, we can't because we'd probably be seeing it you know well, we, 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 what, we should go we're, we see, should, we're seeing it on Wednesday we, let's when go, it comes let's out let's and go the over time let's do podcast spoilers we could, okay, we'll do podcast spoilers. So if you're listening, we'll have an episode, a spoiler-free episode on Avengers Endgame and podcast spoiler discussion because certainly the ending is going to be the most interesting thing about the movie. Yeah. It's called Endgame, so yeah. Yeah. I want to be an Endgame. We're going to play some Taylor. Yeah, yeah, from Reputation. Oh, my God. Oh, April no. 26, big Taylor announcement, which is the same day that the Cranberries also have the new album out. Yeah, but also the Cannes Film Festival is getting announced next Thursday night. Yeah. Can't, the lineup. Cannes over Taylor Swift. Yeah. So get and that that's sooner. So yeah, the eighteenth. Uh, yeah, yeah. The tomorrow. New, the new, if you're uh, bon just listening Ho. to this now. The bon, new bon yeah, Bong Joon Ho should be at Khan Parasite. Should be Khan, and it's also probably. And the new Terrence Malick. 
better version of us. Okay, there's Malik's Terrence Malik and Lynch. We've we've done it. Yep, I had to I had to drop that in. Malik and Lynch. Yeah, high five. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Thank you. We're so cool. <laughs> We're mentioning these elite directors. You probably have never heard of them. David Lynch and Terrence Malik. Yes, I like the art movies. But we spent two hours talking about Simon West, Michael Bay, and John Woo. So, no, John Woo is amazing, but obviously yeah. this was in his period of making, well, Mission Impossible 2, which I wouldn't classify. We, actually, I mean, we know nothing about on, cinema. Come on, you know nothing, Jon Snow. We're not talking about Jacques Rivette here, okay? <laughs> it's It's... Travolta versus Cage, Cage matches. That's all I want out of the movies. Ah, so this has been Bharat Nehru, Glenn Falkenstein, and Chris Evans. Have a wonderful night. Enjoy Nicolas Cage. Cage it on. I'm tr- see no, but I'm trying to think of the right Nick Cage way to close this out. And you're a rocket man. Is that it? Uh no. It's it's <laughs> it's good speed. Oh. Good speed. Good I haven't speed. done any Sean Connery impressions this episode. <laughs> but a, your, your, your Irish accent is excellent, Chris. Oh, yeah. <laughs> He's my favorite Irishman. <laughs> hey. Well, did he, actually, what was it in where he played an Egyptian in, in a... Guys, in a, we've a, already a, said Edgar goodbye. Edgar yeah, but, 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 but what, what, what was the long night, okay? What was that terrible, terrible movie? Uh, there can only be one... The one? No, there can only be one. Uh, Highlander. Highlander. That's it. Oh, that was that was truly. Yeah. Bad. Well, it was truly bad. Most Sean Connery movies are truly bad. Uh, no, Doctor No, From Russia <laughs> of Love, Goldfinger, Thunderball, You Only Live Twice, Diamonds Are Forever, um, The Untouchables. What? Diamonds Are Forever is a bad movie. No, it's not. What are you talking you, uh, about? What about it's You hilarious. Only Live Twice? That's a bad movie. That also that's a racist movie. It's so racist. Uh, yeah. yeah. We need a whole episode look, for talking about oh, the early James oh, Bond my, films. Oh my god, look at the Orientals and how James Bond is charming all these Japanese women in, in hmm. the culturally appropriate costumes. He basically, uh, he, he never says Ching Chong, but he comes close. <laughs> it was, yeah. yeah. <laughs> I'm, just, I'm just thinking back to you a little twice now. My god, that movie. Uh, but, it, but it had the volcano opening. Like, it volcano had the song lair. is dope. Yeah. Remember it got, recently got reused on the nose effect in Tully? Yes. Can we close out with You we, Only Live Twice? Yeah, okay, we're going to play... We just, that's the point reason why we've extended for minutes past our goodbye. It's it's because this was fate. Okay, you Only Live Twice, direct to you, yeah, um, dear I'm, listeners. I'm, I'm really going to have to rewatch You Only Live Twice now because, yeah, yeah, all right, fair. All right, this is You Only Live Twice by he's, Nancy he's, Sinatra. He's revisiting his memories, and he's like, actually, that is racist. <laughs> 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 On that, wow! On that point, uh, enjoy movies. Good speed. Good night.